get it going. It's time to get up. Hoaglander into the slot. High wrist shot. He missed the net. And the Canadians get the extra point. The Canucks' win streak will end at four games. A hard-fought game. I didn't like the second half, the second period. It's a hard game for our team and a, and a point weller. These guys are here to break it all down. The Canucks, who were taking some calls on their potential unrestricted free agents, including Tanner Pearson before he got hurt, they've decided to wait. They're going to see how things play out. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Was that Perry that was chirping me? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city once again on this Monday, March 22nd. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Zabalski here, Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on 650 on the AM dial. In HD3 at 96.9 and also streaming on the Sportsnet app. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. Love the comments and submissions. Hit us up at any time throughout the show. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sportsnet650, at James Sabalski, at P. Solkowski. There'll be a test on all of this a little later on. A wet a windy sort of weekend. Here we go into Monday with a mix of sun and cloud and more optimism for the Canucks as they return home for two more games against the Jets before a week-long break here, Pear. We'll get into it with Kelly Moore from CJOB Radio at 7 about the Jets and how they've come to town ready to go. Kevin Bieksa, as you heard, chirped him last Monday. We'll see what Bieksa has to say at 8 o'clock. Yeah, you know what, James? It's one of those weekends, uh, I just find, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about those dog days of the NHL season because there's only 56 games. And the way this team started, they just uh, they haven't had a chance to take a breath. And they don't again until Wednesday night when it's done. But you come back with a road trip that's successful. You're kind of on a, uh, you know, a, an escalator moving forward but not moving forward doing the work against Montreal uh, in a game where Travis Green played the wrong goalie Saturday night. But they're still in it, man. They're still in it till they get to the break, and then they have to check it all out. What does Jim Benning do? Because everything changes when they stop playing hockey for a week on Wednesday, and everybody plays those games in hand. i, I got to back you up there about 10 feet. They play the wrong goalie. You're, 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 gonna, you're not going to let that one well, go, eh? No, I'm not. I can't I can't come on Friday and say you play no matter what unless he loses. He gets the win and nothing like like let's they picked up a point Saturday. And can you pin it all on Braden Holpe? Holpe himself Saturday night said, "Listen, fighting through those screens, you can't really do that through practice. I could have been in better body position." But they got four against Carey Price and they were tired on Saturday night. Do you not think Thatcher Demko, if feeling it is in that role, he doesn't let four in, and they probably leave with that extra point. Ah, I th- I think I would have played Demko, right? I don't think Braden Holpe's the reason why they didn't get two points on Saturday night. Look, look at that team in front of him. Look at that team in front of him on Saturday. They had nothing left. They were gassed, absolutely exhausted. And you have a goaltender who has played – what, how many games straight, seven, eight games straight, up until that game on Saturday, seeing north of 30, sometimes 40 shots more times than not. This is what a backup's for, man. 
This is what a backup's for. I understand you want to ride the hot hand, but at some point, you got to go to your backup. And guess what? Next month, you got two more back-to-backs. You're going to see Braden Holtby at least two more times this season where you've got one the first weekend of April and then late April as well. There's another back-to-back. So they're not out of the woods just yet. But, man, you got two more games before you have a week off, right? You're going to get a fresh tank of gas for this team that is under man, banged up, and tired and trying to get to the finish line, playing. Dude, here, there, here's the other thing. They're playing do-or-die hockey every night, and they've played it pretty much since the beginning of the month, and yet they've gone 7-1-1 and one and one in their last nine. Like, it's been an incredible run, and they're doing it without their best offensive player. They've been doing it without essentially a third of their regular group of forwards at various points through the month. Mods finally come back. Like, they've done this with duct tape and glue and, and a little bit of everything over these last few weeks. And a hot goaltender. And that's, well, and that hot goaltender might have got him that extra point on Saturday. Oh. I'm concerned about tonight. I'm concerned about tonight because, to your point, and as I said, like, I'm mentally exhausted watching this team because they can't make mistakes. So how do they feel? Now, physically, anytime you come back from that Eastern Road, you're, oh, the first game back is going to be difficult. you got lots of things to deal with. I just wonder if they're all collectively out of gas. It looked it on Saturday. Credit to them to bounce back, have that third period they did. But I just wonder. I'll, I'll say this. What I did like in Montreal, you got some effort from your bottom six. I'm not even talking from goals. They got a bad call, that Phantom Roussel call on Friday night where, you know, some poor luck for them or they leave with two and should have done Friday night. But at that bottom six seemed to at least see some energy. I thought Zach McEwen was as noticeable as he has been all year. And that's what you need. As you say, James, when you're on duct tape and you're just trying to figure it out, how you get it done, everybody has to pull the rope, and they did. So now you get, you know, Jono's texting, and you get Demso, Demko's fresh against the Jets. You get him for two. I understand it. And it's not easy to travel. Just saying, I'm not going away from what I thought. If Demko wins, you play him one more time. And now you see against him, but a Winnipeg team that's lost for the first time in a couple, and they're coming ready to go tonight. I mean, I would argue it was Demko who was in goal when they conceded that late goal on Friday night that allowed the Habs to get like that. That was probably the bigger point, right? The Habs picking up that extra point on Friday night than they did on the Saturday, getting the two points, right? Because you had that lead, you're shorthanded late in the game. I mean, you're kind of it's kind of a nitpick here, right? I mean, they just picked up seven of eight points. Exactly. But it was but it was allowing the Montreal Canadiens to get back into it late. That phantom call on Roussel that you're, that you're complaining about, I know a lot of people were kind of salty about it um, with that call. And I understand that all players should be considered equal in a level playing field, but they're not, man. I think that there's something about no. rep, reputation precedes yourself, right? Like Honestly, you look at where Roussel is, you look where the stick is. I understand, but in that moment... You know, oh hey, it's Antoine Roussel, and there's Nick Suzuki going down, right? It's it it's kind of a call that I think a lot of times officials will give the benefit of the doubt and say that guy's guilty. You know why? Because that's how he rolls oftentimes, playing on that edge. Yeah, that's a reputation call. They missed the Tyler Myers high stick when Myers gets it late in the third. Yeah, period. and you, how do you, you miss the- how do you miss a six foot eight giraffe on skates getting high stick, right? The other Terrible. one that would the other one, James, that was just like, Are you kidding me? They're in the fight of their lives and Jake Vertanen takes a free poke. And you go, Really, Jake? You're like, really? That is so Jake Vertanen. 
They're going to score here. The fact that they did, but honestly, it was like one of those, okay, can you trade him now, Jim? Like, he will never understand it. You're in the battle of your lives. A guy gives you a little bit of a poke. He kind of even looks around to see if he can find the ref that's right in front of him, doesn't see the ref, and still throws a punch. They got away with something. You're right. At the end of the day, they left on this road trip. They return with the points they do, seven of eight. That's fantastic. And now you, you you grind it up again. You charge your batteries again to see what you can get one. If you get one of two against the Jets, they're not leaving this conversation of being a playoff fight. Well, the Jets haven't exactly played great hockey over the last little while. They've they've lost nope. five of their last eight games, right? They got spanked by the Oilers again on Saturday night. But, I mean, you look at where the Canucks are going right now. Could they use a break? Absolutely. You know, and this is going to be a tough game for them because they're coming they're coming from the from the East Coast, you know, big 5-hour flight from Montreal here back to Vancouver on the ice tonight. I think this is always the one that a lot of teams talk about. It's the first game back home after a lengthy road trip. Um, now there's no fans in the stands, but this is one that can usually be a little tricky for, for the home team. Um, but I'll tell you what, you, you look at where the Canucks are, as I mentioned, seven, one and one in their last nine. And in the month of March, eight wins, two losses in regulation and a, and one loser point, but they've picked up 17 out of a possible 22 points this month. And a lot of people sit here and talk about whether or not it's believable or this is all just fool's gold, but they have given a belief, at least a part of the fan base here, that there's some hope that they're in one here now. Now, Elliot Friedman on Saturday night certainly stirred the pot there, uh, Pear, when he suggested on Saturday night's headlines on Hockey Night in Canada that suddenly this run by the Canucks has got management thinking in a different direction all of a sudden. Here's Elliot, Sportsnet's Hockey Insider, on Saturday night. The word I got this week from a couple of people was things got a bit constipated because of runs by Columbus and Vancouver. Now, those were teams that were thinking about, okay, we're sellers, but now they fought their way back into the races at least, and the Canucks, who were taking some calls on their potential unrestricted free agents, including Tanner Pearson before he got hurt, they've decided to wait. They're going to see how things play out, and as a result, that I think, Chris, has slowed down things around the league and in Canada. Canucks Twitter lost their minds over this on Saturday, right? Like, absolutely lost their minds over this. The the initial, like, the gifts, the, ah. I'm just thinking, was it last week we went off on the word coalesce and being used in a sentence? I just can't think of when a team's deciding that they go, you know what, things have got constipated. Like, I I can't. We've been doing this for a while. Have you ever used that in conversation? You know, they were going to trade, and now it's all constipated. They've been Jim's been drinking the emodium and now nothing's moving. Constipated. Yeah, I just well done, Elliot. Constipated and runs in the same mm-hmm. sentence. I get where he's going. I think a decision had to be made, but you know, give credit to Jim Benning when he met the media said we've got 16 games left. I mean, let's let's wait and see. You know, there's almost a third of your season, a fourth of it, and let's wait and see. I don't. But boy, man, if if you think your hockey team is a as a cup contender, boy, like you're you're looking at something completely different. I hope that hasn't changed his mindset. Well, is this a case of, you know, is this playing for your job, right? Like if Jim, if Jim Benning, is Jim Benning still standing as general manager of the Canucks if the Canucks find a way to get into the playoffs this year? It probably saves his job. 
right? If they, if, if they get if they get into the playoffs, if they flame out and miss the playoffs, I think a lot of people seem to be resigned to the fact it feels like Jim Benning will probably be done here if they miss the playoffs, right? And you could see a whole organizational shift where you could see Jim Benning gone and all of Jim's guys, essentially, John Wise brought out. All of a sudden, Travis Green is vulnerable in the final year of his four-year deal. Does a new general manager come in and want to go in a different direction with a new coach, right? Like, every, like all everything's on the table if, they're, if they miss the playoffs. If they get in... Does that change the landscape? Unless Jim knows where he's at right now and has some firm footing with ownership to say, hey, you know what, make the moves you feel appropriate. But I will say this, Pear. Whatever asset they're selling for this team, anything coming back the other way is not helping this team this year, right? So the idea of you have to get something out the door now, I get being, being proactive. There's a great novelty to that, and I understand the logic to it. But at the same time, like, I don't think anything coming back the Canucks way, in all likelihood a draft pick or a prospect, No, I don't think anybody's coming back with a two-week quarantine, right? I don't think there's going to be a subject to a two-week quarantine for anything coming back Vancouver's way, whatever you move at the deadline, right? I don't think there's anybody or anything that is coming back here to jump into the lineup. I can't imagine anyway for the final month of the season if the Canucks do make a deadline deal, right? That's So that's the one thing I think they do have some time on their side. I, I, I'll i disagree with you. I don't think Jim Benning is gone if, they, if, if it's as simple as black or white. You made the playoffs. You didn't make the playoffs. You're gone. If, if they end up, if, if you look at the back half of the season, they're one of the top two teams in the North Division. I think you will look at that front half of the season and go, you know what? It was a struggle. Our goalies weren't ready to go. We made some changes. The effort wasn't there. Uh, we were out of sorts, but we're moving the right way. Um, you're set to go. If you're a new GM and you have that bad half and then you get rolling, you're going, okay, we're set for next year. So I'm not so sure that Jim Benning, the conversation of, of you know, goodbye, Jim, thank you, Jim, that's when this team was tanking. The way they've played now, if they continue and at least are in that conversation to almost getting out of this hole, I don't think Jim Benning is gone. But I do agree with you. Unless in a magical way Jim Benning gets rid of a contract via trade that still has some term on it, that is a massive win for him. But, yeah, I can't see any scenario where Jim Benning's trying to make this team better um, and make them you know, get, get set for a playoff push in any deal that can be put on the table for him. You got three weeks till the deadline. Yeah. You got three weeks, and like and, you, said, and you're not playing for one of them. Well, right? yeah, you got and, and you've got and you've got a week off after these two games against the Jets. Now, the tricky part, like like I said, uh, the assets are they coming back the other way? If you do make a deal, no. Now, I will say this: if it's Easter Monday and it's April fifth, and two weeks from now, and we still don't have anything discussed with respect to a trade, then by all means, get angry, get frustrated, or wonder. But you know, in fairness to the Canucks, man, like they just went seven one and one, and they did it without Elias Pettersson, their best offensive player. So, I mean, you can ultimately let this break sort itself out here over the next few days coming up. But you got the Jets here tonight. Um, it's a, it's a home and home, and I'll tell you what, pair. You got these two games, and then you've got one more game at home right after the break on March 31st, and then it's seven straight on the road. And when you look at this schedule here, these next ten games, including these two and the eight right after the break, it is 
Winnipeg for four, the Oilers for three, and the Flames for three. And those final seven of this 10-game stretch are all on the road. So if you've you've had issues with the Canucks schedule, um, guess what? Here you go. There's another one that you can look at. But these are all the teams they're scratching and clawing and fighting with, and you've got these points on the line, right? You've got the Oilers in front of you. You've got the Jets in front of you. You've got the Flames right there. And in points percentage, the Flames still have better with the, you know a better number because of the games in hand. But, hey, look, take care of business in front of you. I mean, it's a tall task, especially with seven of those on the road, but – you know, you kind of put yourself in this situation. If you want to fix it, the opportunity's in front of you. Well, and they got energy by the trade just just by VC being in the lineup. And by the way, got some serious – don't you want – we'll get into the shootout, but, you know, I, I would rather have a guy who's been in the fire and the fight a little longer before I go to Jimmy VC on a shootout when you're starting to get to the your five and six players. Um, Why? Why? They, well, I just – to me, there's been such a battle, and I know Hoaglander was the last guy, and we played it in the opening not to get it. I would have moved him a little higher up before I go to VC. Uh, and I would even look at Quinn Hughes a little bit quicker. VC comes from nowhere, gets your first unit power play time, gets that opportunity. Uh, to me, that wasn't the call. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning everything Travis Green did on Saturday night. He cost him a point. Uh, I, I digest. I'm a little. I, don't, I have no qualms with right? VC getting the opportunity because they tried the exact same thing – uh, last year when Tyler Toffoli came to town, right? One of his first games where y- you sent him out in a shootout and uh, mm-hmm. let him take a chance. Hey, see what the new guy's got. I actually didn't – you know what? I like the move he made. You know, tried to go backhand. I mean, Price made a nice glove save on it. I didn't mind it. I mean, this is what you brought the guy in for in theory, right? First, you're nitpicking about Hoaglander not playing enough in overtime. Now you're upset about J- Jimmy BC in a shutout. Man. Everybody's accountable, my friend. Everybody is accountable for their actions. I kind of um, like Salty Perry. Well, listen, it's like the death, the death of Positive Perry here or something, man. I kind of like it. <laughs> what happened? Well, the the fact is, you know what? You know what happened? I'll tell you. I almost got hit by a train. <laughs> Here's the deal. Can I? This should be fair or foul. Can I just put up my? You know, in the last what three weeks, you met Balak and his uh, and his wife, or, or saw Balak's wife and her friend, and he said, "Oh, is that your mom?" Yep. You put your, you know, right? Oh, big yep. fail in I your, stepped, big I stepped fail in it. I stepped in it. Big, big fail on your part. Uh, then kind of the awkward moment in your high school reunion Zoom where what do you say to this guy when it's, oh, my mom knows you. And you go, oh, man, what's going on there? Can there be anything uh, worse uh, and go, okay, that's on me when a train honks its horn at you? Because that was me on Saturday. Like, there is nowhere to look. I'll tell you, what, I'm, I'm walking across the tracks. Uh, out in Port Moody, my wife and daughter in a lineup to go into a class there. I've got my headsets on. I'm looking at my watch to make sure the timer's ready to go. And obviously, my head's down. Now, it's not the full-on train, but it's, 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 it's one of these trains that's doing work on the track and barely moving. But I walk, and it had to be, I walk right across where I'm going, and, and the, the engineer obviously knows that this guy has yet to look up to see that I'm moving at maybe a snail's pace. But I, you know how I walk. I'm not walking any faster. <laughs> yeah, no, sudden, you don't. You, you don't. You don't. You don't uh, move with pace on a good day. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me that you would get hit by a train barely moving. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's barely moving. I don't move fast on a good day, and I'm not focused because my eyes are on my watch, and I've got music playing in my ear. So he was about 15 meters coming to me as I was going to get across. 
but he honks the horn and, and trains. Uh, they have a loud horn. So suffice to say, about 45 minutes later, when I meet up with my wife and daughter again at the car as they're done their class and I've done my run, my wife says, that train honk at you? And I was just like, yeah, I really don't have a, I don't have a out on this one. Yeah, he did. I mean, I knew I would get across before him, but he wasn't so sure. So maybe that's made me salty. But hey, let's celebrate the Canucks and let's see what they can do because I just think it's such a battle in front of them. They're going to be tired by what they have, but they have people texting in. They've got a fresh Demko. Let's see what they can do. Get, get an effort from everybody, which they have, and see where they are. They're in the battle, and no one thought that would be the case a month from now. 7 o'clock puck drop tonight here on Sportsnet 650. Pre-game show starting at 5 with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah. Uh, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you here on this uh, Monday morning. Don't forget Kevin Bieksa just after 8 o'clock here on your uh, the starting lineup. And man, March Madness was running wild all weekend oh. long. Uh, brackets just absolutely torched. I put this out to the audience right now, to everybody listening. Finish this sentence, okay? Your March Madness bracket is what? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. But what's your bracket at right now? Because, man, oh, man, you know, if you're if you're looking for drama, if you're looking for upsets, this tournament has had all of it, Pear. All of it. You've got a two seed or a 15 seed in Oral Roberts that is now off to the Sweet 16. You've got a one seed already bounced as well. Uh, overtime drama here, there, and everywhere. You got the guy who's expected to be the top overall pick for the draft in Cade Cunningham. He's been bounced. Uh, it's just been nonstop. Uh, you know, the, the upsets, the shock and awe campaign that has been happening here, there, and everywhere so far in this tournament. I just look, I look at my bracket. I mean, I got Michigan going all the way, but man, when I look at the grand scheme of things in my bracket, it is littered with red X's that I got wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You've got, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I love this setup where we're going to get all the games tonight again on Monday night. But you, you've got five teams that advance to the Sweet 16 right now that are on the top half of their seeds, right? Better than eight, you know, as, as far as a seed. It, it's unbelievable what's gone on. My God, Sister Jean's the greatest. I, everyone's got a story. But I don't know, James, if we should be that surprised because, you know, we, we watch the NFL season and go, well, something's going to be different without the crowds, different games. And then you get the best team wins, wins it. Uh, we're seeing right now in the NHL season, go, oh, this is going to be different. No fans. You're playing three, four games against the same team. But it seems like everything's rising to the top. At the best of times, March Madness is great because of the upsets. But to see how you know, you're, you're able to see these teams go, well, how correct are you? Uh, I don't think we should be that surprised. It's absolutely awesome. You know, we talk about golf when you want the golf course to win. There's just nothing. Anytime you turn on a game and you're watching two teams who you haven't seen played, unless it's just me, I automatically look at the seeds and go, okay, I want the upset. Like, I'm never going, great, I, I hope this four seed's beating the 12 seed. You go, no, I want to see that upset. Uh, it was incredible. Like, I don't think we saw as many buzzer beaters as we normally do. We just saw flat-out upsets all weekend long. Uh, Chad, uh, Chad Cargill on, uh, on Twitter saying, uh, finish the sentence, uh, my March Madness, uh, March Madness ba- bracket is dumpster fire. Hunter, non-existent. Don also with a non-existent. Tax, my March bra- ba- Madness bracket is foobar. Casson, my March Madness bracket is mocking me. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, that's fair. Mine's better than it's been in years. So there's a few people that have uh, found some uh, some some positives. Joshua, 
my March Madness bracket is dependent on Michigan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you're just hang it, hanging by a thread here uh, in some respects. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Aaron saying, my women's bracket is 15 out of 16, so there's that. Hey, it was, it was good. I know you'll get into it. So I watched a little women's basketball last night. Okay, what's on? Found it. Let the ladies play. It's, been, it's great basketball. I love the emotion we still have. Let us, the college players who you're – you fall in love with, and James, you know for a lot of them, you're never going to see again. This is their moment. And, hey, we haven't been able to see it in the NHL, though we'll talk about it, what's going on in Montreal. You still had the fan shots, right? You still had some of the families and the fans, and you go, okay, there's the emotion that makes March Madness so great. But a day, a weekend of upsets, and we get more tonight um, as the Bulldogs, Gonzaga, continues. How about Alvin Williams? You know, just said, eh, you know, Villanova's got to go. You know, I just got to pick Villanova because they're going to hear me. And, and the Noves have been rolling through their weekend. You know, Alvin Williams kind of made a point about the tournament last week when we talked to him, our Sportsnet basketball analyst that said something that really kind of hit home for me that I think has really kind of changed my outlook of the tournament in the last few years. I mean, this this tournament was everything for me at one time. And, you know, he kind of hit the nail on the head on something that I think has really kind of changed the approach for a lot of people who watch March Madness. We'll get to that. And the biggest story in college basketball wasn't Oral Roberts, wasn't Sister Jean's prayers. No, we'll tell you where it came from, and we'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. That's obviously been, been playing, you know, uh, as good a hockey as I've seen, you know, goalie play, so... Uh, we need to win games right now, and he's given our team as good a chance every night to win, win a game as you can get. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. High praise from Braden Holpe on uh, Thatcher Demko's game, and understandably so, uh, as Demko has almost single-handedly got this team back into it. Patrick Johnson on Post Media, by the way, Pear, on, uh, on the weekend. Kind of threw out an interesting debate, or, or at least kicked the conversation going, uh, suggesting that Brock Besser is the team's MVP this season, not Thatcher Demko. Agree. I mean, we're caught up. We're caught up in an incredible, you know, last month, five weeks for Thatcher Demko. But your MVP is judged on who's been there since day one. Brock Besser's been there. Now, you, you're, so if you're giving away your what, we're just a couple weeks past the halfway point. It's Brock Besser. There's no question for me. So unless Thatcher Demko continues to be incredible, Brock Besser's their MVP. Besser's been excellent this season. And, man, he's really kind of changed my thought process on what he can be and and looking more like that guy from his rookie campaign. But, you know, Besser still goes through stretches without scoring goals, right? You know, what did he – just earlier this month, I think he ended an eight-game goalless drought, Mm -hmm. right? And I understand where people can point to, and and PJ had made the point where it was, you know, Besser who was there at the beginning of the season has done it all season long, where Demko, he was flat. You know, he was was okay at best at the start of the season, just average. But with what he's kind of done over the last, what, six weeks now, I think you can make a case that, like, for me, I would still lean towards Thatcher Demko with what he's done over the last six weeks. Besser's been there from the beginning of the season, but I think he's also had some dips in the season as well. Demko, I think, with what he has done to kind of single, almost single-handedly give this team a conversation or a sense of belief that, hey, you know what, like, we're in it. We're in it now. 
Well, that's that's the current. But here's the thing. Besser goes eight games without scoring a goal. I think both you and I, and when everyone announced it, Becker, Besser scores for the first time in eight. You go, really? Because he's been playing good. Here's mm-hmm. the one thing about Brock Besser's game. Like, he's a he's a big man, right? He's a wide body. He's He's got some big shoulders on him. Man, he wins a lot of puck battles now. And he doesn't go and punish mm-hmm. people. But he can push some D-men off the puck. And when Brock Besser goes into a corner, I'm going to say that, you know, it almost seems like more than 50% of the time, he's actually hanging on to that puck and not just giving it away. His puck possession has been much better. You see a one-timer like you did Saturday night, and I know you were kind of on, is he a goal scorer, is he not? It's kind of proven, yeah, I haven't lost my shot. I've got my confidence. But it's just the rest of his game that if he does go on a long scoring drought, there's still enough effectively that he can be there. His leadership skills, uh, he's just gotten better. To me, he's the MVP, no question. That question can change if Thatcher Demko just doesn't slow down. And then this is Thatcher Demko's team, and, and he's done it by himself getting him back into the postseason. But right now I'm voting. I don't hesitate at all. I find number six and check him off and go, he's your MVP. Well, look, you'll be happy to know that Thatcher Demko in all likelihood will be the guy in goal tonight and probably tonight and Wednesday you know, going into the break. But, uh, you know, hey, look, 25-year-old, really kind of finally taking that step forward to show that he is a number one goaltender at least over this period. He's won four straight. He has started 11 of the last 13 for the team. Eight and three record. Goals against average under two right now. And during this run, he's got a save percentage of 942 with these 11 starts in the last 13 mm-hmm. games for the Canucks. And you know what? The guy faces shots. Like, he gets peppered every night, facing only less than 30 shots twice. Like, this guy gets tested, right? You know, the whole, hey, let's test this goalie. Guess what? That's what every team does to Thatcher Demko every night. And you know what? He's still getting the results. Yeah, and so the goalie, that so the coach doesn't play him on Saturday. Blair and Courtney totally agree with Perry Green has no idea who should go for the shootout The new guy, come on Hoglander should have went third, Hughes fourth Guy didn't score last attempt Doesn't get to go top three And Holpe played good But should have played the second game against Ottawa I'm still going to say that Thatcher Demko has been incredible Unless, and there's so much we don't know about this Unless Thatcher Demko said, man, I'm exhausted Let me rest today Let me just sleep on the plane And I'm set to go on Monday Then we'll see But if Thatcher Demko is cold and doesn't play well tonight, uh, I'm going to rest that I had the right thing. Coach, desperately, you didn't do it against Winnipeg the second game. Oh, my God. You didn't do it the second game against Montreal. It's the middle of March. Coach, desperately, I mean. (laughs) You're in the middle of a battle. Like, forget the calendar. You have caused no opportunity to rest. You have to go. Oh Greg thinks JT Miller's the MVP again this year. What are you 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 saying today if Thatcher Demko got hurt on Saturday? Ah, you, yeah, but, I, I well, told see, you you should have played Olpe. That's Balak. You guys are all talking about what if What if I walk by that crane and it topples and hits me? They're not playing the what if game, man. You're playing. You just go. What do you say? Tanner Pearson shouldn't have played because he got hurt and now you might not be able to trade him. Don't deal with the what if. You just rattled off all these facts. Facts are the guy's been unbeatable. So if he's okay, you go, hey, you want to play again? I would have played him. You realize that that Thatcher Demko is 25 and has also had like he's had a history in the past where he had hip surgery, right? So it's going to happen again. Like again, you're grasping at 
If you played him, he's going to get hurt. Maybe Buddy, you almost got hit by a train on the weekend. Speaking of yeah, what is, but I'm okay. But I'm okay, right? <laughs> I'm okay. It's all right. Like I, I survived to get to work on Monday. Fast but I did. Could have survived forty shots. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's get it on that note. Let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. But I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Biggest story over the weekend in March Madness wasn't all the shocking upsets. Didn't come from Sister G, not Oral Roberts or Jim Beheim's son. No, it came from six foot seven Oregon Ducks forward Sedona Prince. It started when the 20-year-old duck took to social media to show the disparity between practice and fitness amenities for the Women's March Madness Tournament compared to the men's. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show y'all the men's weight room. The video showed a small collection of weights, and I mean small for the girls, and then a robust collection of weights and machines and all of it for the boys. Prince was blunt in her closing comments. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. So Prince's post went viral and then some. Others like Steph Curry retweeted her frustrations and her video had appeared more than almost, what, 17 million times on Twitter by Sunday. It was a bad look on the NCAA's part. It forced executives of both the men's and the women's side of college basketball's governing body to apologize, and rightly so. But words are one thing, right? Action is another. And a day after apologizing, the women in San Antonio, well, they woke up to a brand new weight room stocked with benches, free weights, racks, cardio equipment, and Prince then shared her excitement. Guess what, guys? We got a weight room, yeah! Ayo, thank you, NCAA, for listening to us. We appreciate y'all. Thank you so much, for real. Yay, guys! We often talk about how social media can be a toxic place and being a breeding ground for negativity. And I'm not even talking about Canucks Twitter here. I know, I know. But this right here is a great example of the power of positivity and showing how social media has some incredible abilities to do good. And by the way, Prince's Duck Squad, they have South Dakota later on tonight and that's this morning's seaball says well it's great what happened but it's an absolute shame that it occurred right you can talk about fifa you can talk about the ioc as governing bodies that are me me money hungry turned a blind eye to a lot of things i would put the ncaa right there and how they run things uh 750 million dollars more spent on men's scholarships than women And at the end of the day, you understand that because of where all the TV dollars are and all that. But when you're coming to the biggest tournament of these players' lives, and it is that embarrassing. There was also shots of of the food, of the buffet that's rolled out for the men and every option that they have. And the women, well, here's your three or four choices. How it got to that point is crazy. And, And good that they reacted to it, but James, come on. They should never have been there in the first place. You should have had it set up for them as best you can not kind of here's your token dumbbells and that's as good as it gets. So they changed it 
and now you know change is good, and we'll never have that next year when they go and have their tournament. But I, I'm not shocked that the NCAA, before it was shed on them, the spotlight, and what Prince did was like, yeah, this is good enough for the ladies. Well, this is this has been what time and time again, right? There's there's always something. And, you know, listening to Rebecca Lobo, who was one of the biggest stars in college basketball history on the women's side, speaking about this, where there's always the discrepancy, right? It's it's the buffet. It's the food that's available for yeah. the women. And then it's, you know, the massive spread for the men's, right? Like, there's always something year after year. But you know what? Good on Prince to call it out. And I think with social media out there now, man, it's easy to get that messaging out, right? And it And it's forcing – I mean, look – we can talk about the woke movement here on a lot of different yeah. elements and some people get frustrated to it man this is this is good for the woke movement right in terms of showing hey look come on like if we're going to sit here and talk about inclusivity and equality like at some point you can't sit there and put a 5 and a 10 pound dumbbell on the floor for women and then all of a sudden have like a brand new fitness facility for the men around the corner Right at some point, you gotta kind of draw the line, and I get like, hey, look, I get that the dollars are there from the men's side, I understand that, but at some point, you gotta grow both sides of the brand, and you can't just sit there and slap a whole gender in the face and offer absolutely nothing where the other guys are getting everything. Like the has and have-nots, it doesn't fly in 2021. Well, and and I think from basketball especially, like I wouldn't say the NBA is always the leaders. It's the players, right? It's the Steph Curry's. It's it's what Kobe Bryant was all about. It's the attachment to having their daughters looking up to these college basketball players as super superstars, and then hopefully doing that in the in the WNBA. You know, from a hockey perspective, I think the league has tried to do more for women's professional hockey, but I don't think you look at the players to say, "Hey, we have to do." more in a situation but uh it's the uh, the parallels to ncaa women's play and men's play i know a couple of uh ladies that are involved and play in texas and you know the the cafeteria is for all athletes right you're seeing that at those major schools that you get treated you've got the physio you've got everything and then to get to that tournament and for some of these schools these they're not coming from the big schools with all the money but you go there and you live that dream and you chase that dream how disappointed are you to go and go wow that's it that that's all you have for us uh, it's disappointing, and I've seen it, you know, traveling with my daughter when she played rep soccer. Yeah, okay, the guy's got a nice setup here, and the girl's on which field? Yeah, over there. Hmm. Uh, it's always been there, so you're right. That was a massive three days for the NCAA to at least get it correct for these ladies as they pursue their dream. 6.43 here on this uh, Monday morning. It is game day as the Canucks and the Jets go at it at Rogers Arena at 7 o'clock. Puck drop. Uh, we'll talk to Kevin BX coming up just after 8 o'clock. We'll head to Winnipeg and talk to Kelly Moore, uh, one of the voices for the Winnipeg Jets coming up just after 7 o'clock. And in a moment, no BS, especially on a Monday, right, Pear? Oh, the, there is a reason I had to dig deep, and we will celebrate the futility of our Vancouver Grizzlies, we will explain why. Oh, 644 no. <laughs> on a game day on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Uh, we filter out a little bit of BS and turn it into PS over the last 48 hours, the weekend that was. Everybody remember these days? 
Louis Erickson to Patterson. Here's Elias Patterson. He shoots. Scores. Crowd noise. People watching in the buildings. As much as we got caught up in this Montreal-Vancouver Friday-Saturday night battle, it was leaked on Saturday night that the Montreal Canadiens have been approaching the Quebec government and asking if they can get a controlled number of fans into the building before the year is out. The Canucks did mention, James, they have approached the subject with local health authorities. Does it happen? It seems like Quebec has kind of just, you know, right or wrong, been pushing things a lot quicker than everybody else, and mostly it's been wrong. I'm not going to be shocked if there's people in the Bell Centre before they're done. Uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about a province that still is, like, that still deals with a curfew, right? I, I, I would be surprised to see anything get lifted in the next few weeks. You know, you're seeing it in the U.S., but, you know, I was kind of going through the numbers last night in terms of comparing Canada and the U.S. in terms of vaccinations. You've got almost a quarter of the population in America that has got at least one dose. One shot, yeah. Uh, at least one shot, almost a quarter of the population. And, you know, right now, I mean, in our, in our country, we have less than 2% of the entire country that has received two doses of the vaccine. And we're only at, we're less than 7% of the population that has received at least one dose in the entire country, right? Like, we are so far behind. I mean, it's going to happen, but I would be surprised to see if in the next, what, six weeks? or We're less than two months away for this season being done, Pear. I'd be shocked. Yeah. I don't see it happening. P.S. Uh, you do whatever it takes to win games. I say a little for you. 101-year-old Sister Jean had herself a great weekend. You got the win on Friday over the number one seed, and then Illinois is done on the weekend. Sister Jean had the team prayer before they took to the court, and she said this to the team, as we play the fighting Illini, we ask for special help to overcome this team and get a great win. We hope to score early, make our opponents nervous. We have a great opportunity to convert rebounds at this team, makes about 50% of layups and 30% of its three-pointers. Our defense can take care of that. Amen. Sister Jean. Gotta love her sermons, right? What is she using a chalkboard and saying everything? But that was the prayer that she delivered to the team before they took to the court and won yesterday. Okay, two things. I think a lot of schools could use some sister jeans to pray for better free throw shooting. Just appalled at some of the free throw shooting in this tournament oh. so far over the weekend. But man, the other thing, and this goes back to what Alvin Williams talked about, Pear, Sister Jean. We remember her from a past tournament, right? Like she was a wonderful story. And yeah, 2018. That's the, yeah, and that's the one thing that I think we have lost, that Alvin kind of brought this up last week, with so many college stars now one and done, guys showing up for a year and piecing out. There's no continuity in terms of following a storyline that you kind of fall in love with a, you know, a group of, st of players and athletes mm -hmm. that you follow for their journey. Right, like you just don't, you just don't see that anymore. Where guys show up for one year and they're gone. You know, they're there for a turn, you know, a game or two in the tournament. It's like, you know what? Next year, these guys will be really good. You don't have that. You're essentially building a new team every year now. Well, that's it. You know, and we saw Patrick Ewing coaching Georgetown this weekend. But I love the Hoyas 
because they threw the ball away one year. And so, oh, my goodness, that was, you know, Freddie Brown throws the ball away. But they're back the next year, essentially that same core. Yeah. Right? It's not, it was the seniors you were saying goodbye to, not the freshmen or the juniors. You're right. The one and done takes away from those storylines to go, hey, they're back this year. Maybe they can do it. Uh, finally, P.S. Houston basketball fans, you, you got the Cougars. You got the Rockets. Charles Barkley says, yeah, I, I would prefer NCAA ball in Houston. I know there's a Rocket connection here, but this is not the Rockets. This is the Cougars. This team better than the Rockets. Okay. <laughs> the Rockets have lost 18 <laughs> games in a row. Rockets. <laughs> yeah, the Rockets have now lost 20 in a row. They became the only NBA team to have a 20-game losing streak and a 20-game winning streak. They'll continue on, and thus I mentioned the Vancouver Grizzlies. James, when you've lost 20 in a row, one starts to go, uh, how bad were the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies have the fourth longest losing streak in NBA history, 23 games uh, back then. So the Rockets still three games away from passing the Grizzlies as far as futility in the NBA is concerned. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rockets just looked at the, the, the Buffalo Sabres and said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys want to have a fantasy camp when you're done this summer? Oh, man. James Harden, does he got any hard feelings there? Terrible. Got out while the going's good. Hey, you know what? Uh, just a quick uh, no BS, just a little straight up PS for you. William Shatner's 90 years old today, man. William Shatner, Captain Kirk's 90. Oh. When's the last time we've seen him? Is he okay? Like, I think he's still. Well, he's, he, I think he does the odd commercial still. I don't know how old those commercials are, but I think he's still. I think he's still active. I think he's uh, doing okay. Uh, uh, Listen, I know you went into whatever you guys had with your Marvel or your DC this weekend for four hours. I will tell you right now, in all honesty, I have not watched an entire episode of Star Trek. I did not buy into any of that stuff. I was not a Trekkie. I was not a Trekkie. Really? I've, I've watched. I've watched. Oh. I've watched a lot of. I've watched a lot of the movies over the years. You know what? The reboots uh, with Chris Pine have been very good. Um, I definitely watched Rathacon as a kid, but Snyder cut. Was amazing, pair. Just I'll, I'll leave it. At, I'll leave it at that. We can dive into Thank it you. later if we need to. <laughs> uh, hey, golfers, get great Vancouver golf for less. Go to discountgolfcard.ca for all the details and to order your Vancouver discount golf card today. Jets, Canucks. We'll dive into tonight's matchup next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Hoaglander into the slot. Irish shot. He missed the net. And the Canadians get the extra point. The Canucks' win streak will end at four games. A hard-fought game. I didn't like the second half of the second period. It's a hard game for our team and a, and a point well-earned. These guys are here to break it all down. The Canucks, who were taking some calls on their potential unrestricted free agents, including Tanner Pearson before he got hurt, they've decided to wait. They're going to see how things play out. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Was that Perry that was chirping me? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock here, we'll head to Winnipeg and check in with uh, Kelly Moore from CJOB Radio coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, game day as the Canucks will try to uh, get back on the winning track after their four-game win streak comes to an end 
back on Saturday night falling in a shootout to the Montreal Canadiens. That, by the way, the first overtime slash shootout win for the Habs in nine tries this season. I'm James Sabalski. He's Perry Selkowski. We're playing fair or foul coming up at 7.30 this morning, so get your takes in now at 6.50-6.50, and we'll decide what's fair and what's foul coming up at the bottom of the hour. Perry, I will say this. Um, here's a fair or foul, <laughs> but... You see how yesterday Nick Nurse got fined $50,000 for throwing yeah. his mask at the end of a Raptors game on Saturday night um, you know, into the crowd. There are not a lot of fans in the crowd, but kind of giving it to the officials as well. But are we at a point where maybe like all these pro sports leagues, whether it's the NHL, the NBA, and even, you know what, College basketball, for that matter. What's the point in having these coaches wear masks if none of them actually have them on properly? Well, and then they pull them down to talk. Right? All like the time. Part of the problem, All right? the time, right? Like I, Dominic, I, du- Dominic Ducharme for the Montreal Canadiens went through this. You know, Rob Williams from the Daily Hive had, had, had a picture on this on social media on, on Saturday night. It's like... This guy should be fine. Like, he never has. His, it's always at his chin. You know, Daryl Sutter, it's always below his nose. I mean, Travis Green's taking a whip of smelling salts on uh, <laughs> on Saturday yeah. night on the bench from another player, right? Like, it's just, it's nonstop. And then, like, in, the, in college basketball this weekend, man, everybody had a mask sitting at their chin. Um, I, I, I don't understand. Listen, uh, we, we've spent a year here. By the way, it's a one-year anniversary of Tiger King, which tells you where we all went to uh, with this pandemic and, and watching that show. You go, okay, it's been a year. So I understand it looks. The optics look good. But I would say this. All of those players who are sitting right beside each other, who are leaning over and talking to them about this play, hey, next time we go in, do this and that, they're tested as much as the guys behind the bench. So honestly, like once you've gone through all that testing, is there anything that, that proves that – this is the safest play that every coach has that mask on. I'm not so sure because at some point you go, okay, that's it's it's almost insulting. Like, yeah, I put it on, but it's going to rest and cover my chin. It's not going to do anything. So if you were handing out fines like they did in the NFL, man, I think there'd be a lot of NHL coaches that would be going deep into their pockets right now. Well, it's like that commercial that they're running here in the province uh, where it's kind of, hey, you know, we're, we're almost there. We're getting there. But there's that guy, they're both waiting at the bus stop with the girl, and his mask is sitting below his nose, and the girl kind of just, you know, gives him a, a wink and a nudge to kind of, hey, you know, kind of points to to the mask, like, hey, come on, just, you know, tighten it up, right? Like, yeah. just be smart about it. But, like, every night, it's, it's a coach pulling, and I get it, man, it's hard to try to communicate, but I'm assuming that most of these coaches, if not all of them in Every whether it's the NCAA, the National Hockey League, the NBA, you name it, I'm assuming they're all subject to the same sort of restrictions, health yeah. checks, all of it, to be in their respective quasi-bubble or to be able to operate freely. And if you are, I, I like I understand maybe there's a, a visual that you want to create the optics, hit your mask up, but I mean, nobody's adhering to it, right? And every camera shot's got, like, Patrick Ewing. Like, love Patrick Ewing. But, man, Patrick Ewing, like, the mask doesn't go on the chin, right? (laughs) And that's everybody. Yeah, I think think Travis Green has actually been really good with it. I think the Canucks. Yes, Travis has been been good. Yeah, I, I think they've been really good with it. But you do wonder, 
at some point even Travis may go, hey, this, this is an inconvenience. I look across at the other bench, and they barely have it on, right? But especially what we watched in the NCAA. I think Travis has been good, but I do I, – I, listen, I'm the farthest thing from an expert. I understand the optics of it, but I do wonder when the players you are talking to are right beside each other sweating – um, and you've gone through the same test if it's necessarily needed at that point. So, But we're near the end of the line, so <laughs> keep wearing it optically. Let people know. But even, it was funny. Even even Greg Ballack's uh, way better half, Katie, on the weekend took to Twitter to kind of call out our own Blue Jays broadcast with uh, Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler, and they had a plexiglass between the two of them in the broadcast booth, but the plexiglass only went to their shoulders, and there's the two of them <laughs> about three inches apart head-to-head, and it's like, well, I appreciate the attempt, but <laughs> you know, it was like, is that a place setting or what? But yeah, I, I get it, man. Like people are, you know, people are trying to do their part, but uh, from a coaching standpoint, maybe this just needs a rethink. If what, like, what's a better, what's a better look, right? Like to to at least have somebody walking around, like either do it or don't do it, right? Either commit to it or or don't. But I think clearly, like the communication element in a in an arena is problematic. Trying to get the attention of whether of an official or your players, um, but I mean, you know. We saw it through the NFL over the course of the season. John Gruden was a bad offender of that. Uh, you know, Pete. You know, Pete Carroll was had his issues at various points as well. You know, I, I think maybe just just do away with this because obviously, like you know, like like you said, like Travis has been good about it, but like there's Travis leaning in on a player and <laughs> taking a whip of the same smelling salts that that he's using, right? So, you know, nobody's perfect on these. Yeah, they're not staying away. You know, you know, it's funny when I get into the gym, and that's a that's another thing trying to book in. There'll be sometimes you've got to wear your mask, right? When you go from equipment to equipment, when you're walking around, and so there's sometimes, and there's people who work out with their mask on. Uh, and the odd time, I'll sit down and I'll start doing something. And I haven't taken my mask off. I'm just like, oh, okay, I've got to drop this. Just I'm in my own space to put it back on. So you can only imagine in the heat of the game when you're trying to get that message across, it becomes that inconvenience. But credit to Travis Green, I think he's done very well with it. But there are others, and, and we'll see it, I'm sure, tonight, that it's just, it's, okay, the heat of the moment, make sure you hear me, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, and, and certainly in the NCAA, it just seemed like, yeah, okay, who's listening to it? I like the kids going to the bench, and they're six feet apart in their chairs, and I think the students have been good about it. Coaches, not so much. Um, all right, uh, text in here uh, from uh, from Greg in North Van at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. JT Miller, for me, uh, was the MVP last year, and he is again this year. He showed it in winning a couple of the last four games. Uh, I don't think we can go down that road with JT Miller being team MVP this year, but I would say for our, all the negativity and the doom and gloom here, Pear, JT Miller has been a much different force and a positive one at that kind of back. Like for a guy who just played a hundred career games now for the Canucks, you know, there was about a 20 game bump of the road, but these last sort of 10 or so have really kind of got him back on track from the JT Miller from last season. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you were to play the JT Miller drinking game and have a shot for every time he makes a bad pass in his own end, I don't think you would be, you know, you're, you're not, you're not on a situation where you're alcohol-free. I, I still think he gives the puck away at least once a game in his own end, and you just wonder why. But his effort has been there. He, but no, there, Greg, there's no way. He's not the MVP of this team. He's not even top four for me right now. But he does when he's playing well, this team goes well. 
24 minutes on Saturday night against the Montreal Canadiens in that game. And, and the night before that, it was almost 24 minutes. Like, they have leaned on him in a big way. Uh, Kelly Moore from CJOB uh, Radio, a uh, longtime observer of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, joins us bright and early this morning as the Jets come in having lost five of their last eight games against a Canucks team that has been on fire through this month of March. Kelly, good morning, sir. Good morning, and every time you use the term long time, that only makes me feel just a few months older. <laughs> uh, all right, what's uh, the wise? What do you think? Uh, what do you think is a what's a better way to astute uh, experience? No, no, there's no hiding it. I'm cagey, old, cagey. So. <laughs> Kelly, how about cagey? Yeah, yeah, or experience. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He has experienced many of the ups and downs of the right. Winnipeg Jets over the years. There you go. Well. Kelly, let's talk some AFCO Cup if we can then. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, all these listeners are going, what did Perry say, AFCO Cup? What is that? Not, Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's the same thing as when you say pay phone or, or, or having to get up to turn the channel on the TV. But let's not go down that road, guys. No, we don't. And by the way, listeners, the WHA played for the AFCO Cup. Hey, um, Paul Maurice, after the loss this weekend, kind of said, hey, uh, I'm not concerned. We've played a lot of really good playoff teams in the last 10. We've been on the road for them. Um, Is there concern around this Winnipeg Jets team, the way they've played, or has the coach just gone, no, we're in it all, I'm okay, and just kind of calming any fears? Well, you know, and, and I think most experienced coaches will certainly do that. Uh, it's not like the Jets have been playing at Buffalo Sabre standards. Uh, so, you know, their, their level of play is still pretty close to where they want it to be. Uh, they basically got beaten at Edmonton on Thursday and Saturday night uh, by the best player in the National Hockey League and arguably in the world in, in Connor McDavid. I mean, he was front and center. He had his grubby little fingerprints over everything good that happened to Edmonton in that series. He scored both the goals on Thursday. He uh, scored the first goal and set up the winning goal on Saturday. And even though he didn't draw any kind of an assist uh, on the uh, tying goal, he was the reason it happened because everybody had gravitated to him down in the right corner. And there was Darnell Nurse in the high slot and able to pound the puck up into the uh, high corner, the far corner of the net. So Connor McDavid uh, did what Connor McDavid has been doing all season long. Uh, now, what happened to the Jets and what made it probably more uh, difficult to swallow? And I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to catch the game because I know the Canucks were busy with Montreal, and then you would have had uh, uh, some post-game stuff to take care of. But um, the Jets had two glorious chances late in the second period to make it three-one. Mike Smith got caught out of his net. Kyle Connor who usually finishes, didn't quite get all the mustard on a backhander, so Smith was able to get over and make a glove hand save. And then off a Blake Wheeler rebound that had hit the far post, defenseman Dylan DeMello didn't raise the puck over the right pad of Mike Smith, who was doing his Dominic Hasek best to scramble back into position. And that was with .5 seconds left in the period. You can imagine the kind of a lift that would have given the Jets. So... They uh, they certainly had their opportunities. Uh, they had gone longer than any team other than the Florida Panthers without suffering back-to-back regulation defeats. And so 
Yeah, the fact that they're in their first uh, bit of a slide uh, at three, four, and one in the last eight games, they haven't won back to back since uh, early March when they beat the Canucks and then Montreal in overtime. Maybe there's a little concern from the outside, but if you look at things pragmatically and calmly, which has been done rarely in either sense uh, in this North Division season, uh, the level of the play of the team is is not something that I think you need to be uh, all warped up about. No, and I, I you know what, Kelly, I, I think if if you look at that team, I mean, they kind of check the boxes for what you'd want, right? Like that's a deep group of scorers up front. You got a Vesna Trophy goaltender. Uh, so you kind of have, uh, you know, what you would want or at least take your chances with a team like that going into a Stanley Cup playoff, a team that can score and can get stops. But um, but they've lost five of eight here. And just as they look like they were starting to kind of round into form at the end of February, it's just been kind of like, is this kind of a winter blah sort of month for the Jets here overall? Well, it, it, I'll tell you what, it is an incredibly busy month. And, and, and I... We don't need to tell the Canucks and their followers about that. Vancouver has just been playing at a breakneck pace since the season started. Uh, but uh, but Winnipeg's in the uh, – well, they're, they're kind of now getting into the stretch drive of playing 17 games in 31 days during wow. March. And, of course, they had, you know, they had their four-day break, and they, and they had another three-day break earlier in the season when Vancouver wasn't getting that. Uh, so, you know, as, as Paul Maurice has mentioned the last uh, – uh, probably about the last uh, twice over the last couple of days, Vancouver is going to start reeling teams in, and you're going to see the level of the Canucks play get to where it has been now, where they're seven one and one in their last nine games because they're not playing three games in four nights and uh, playing uh, every other day for an extended period. So that's part of it. But the other part of it too is it, it is such a competitive division, like and. Uh, Two very good teams are going to wind up missing the playoffs uh, out of this Scotia North division, and it's going to be a really, really long and difficult and agonizing late spring and early summer for whoever those two teams are, are going to be. And, and right now, I don't know, with only a nine-point spread, and I know Vancouver, you know, the other side of that is uh, they have played more games than anybody else, so now that's somewhat out of their control so that just makes uh, that just raises the ante for for their games even more so i think if there's one bit of concern about the jets right now and i i don't know for sure that this is going to happen guys but the trio of blake wheeler along with mark shafley and paul stastny in the four games last week of which three were losses were a combined minus 22 so uh, that uh, would be uh, possibly impetus for Paul Maurice to take a look at his forward lines. I don't think he'll mess with that line of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nikolai Ehlers, and Kyle Connor. They took a little while to get going offensively, but they are going now. So I'm not sure that you'd want to break that up. But you might see you might see some tinkering going on uh, that might involve the first and third lines. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that because there was no availability yesterday. Kelly, has Pierre-Luc Dubois settled in and kind of brought what they would they, they imagined in that number two center role for him and adjusted to life with the Jets? Well, he, he's, he's moving the needle every day. Uh, you know, and again, you know, he had a 14-day quarantine. 
he had that mess in Columbus at the start of the year. Uh, and then he had that minor injury that m- caused him to miss another three games. So uh, when when the Jets played the Canucks uh, back in, uh, oh, I don't know how long ago that was. Now it's all such a blur. But that, that weekend doubleheader where they won 2 nothing and then won the overtime game, uh, that was kind of Pierre Luke on adrenaline there because he'd just come back into the lineup. Then things settled down a little bit. He went uh, back into the middle uh, after recovering from the injury. And there's so much more, as you guys know, involved in playing center than the wing. So I think uh, that caused him to probably think more than play instinctually. And now I think you're starting to see him play instinctually. Uh, he, uh, he's he been picking up a few more points. But, you know, for 22 years old, this guy is just incredibly strong. Uh, as Paul Maurice often describes him, he is a young, big powerful man and when you watch his board work and when you also if, if you get the chance in the arena watch just just watch how you know watch him for a shift or two on how he operates in the defensive zone so the long answer to your question uh is yes uh he is starting to round into form he's not at his best he'll be the first one to tell you that uh, but uh not at his best is still more than adequate for the winnipeg jets Kelly, nice to catch up. It's it's been a minute, and uh, keep up the awesome and enjoy uh, enjoy tonight's game. Nice, thanks for doing you this. You bet. Yeah, it, <laughs> I can't imagine what uh, late March and uh, all of April are going to be uh, now that we're into the home stretch. I think these games are going to get even better than they've already been. They wise Kelly Moore from CJOB Radio joining us here Thank you, uh, from Winnipeg this morning. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, guys, talk to you. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Uh, pre-game show tonight on Sportsnet 650 beginning at 5 o'clock. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 7. How about that? 17 games for the Jets, Perry, and 31 games yeah. in 31 days. Like that is, you do the math on that, that is a game every 1.8 days. Like that's not even every other night. That's more than every other night. So if you thought the Canucks were, were taking it hard, uh, you know, for the schedule makers – at the beginning of the season, I'll make sure I keep it clean. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets, the Jets are in one now, right? And at some point, that that's a team that might get tired. Like, there's a ton of firepower, there's a ton of scoring on that team, but like, there's some tired legs. Like, they've lost five of their last eight right now. Every team in the North Division has had their break, except the Vancouver Canucks. And you know, you saw it on Saturday. A team that didn't have much in the, in the tank, and they found it in the third period. They leave with a point in Montreal. But you know tonight after that Eastern road swing, Travis Green is going to go, guys, we've got two more. If they win these two against the Winnipeg Jets, granted you're still going to have four games in hand if you're the Jets, but the Canucks will actually be ahead of them in the standings. Like They will put themselves right in there. Yeah, no, no. I, I, look, I, I like the Jets to be, hey, they're going to be standing, right? And it's, it's a question yeah. of which team you ultimately think that you can leapfrog if you're a Canucks fan to, to look at where this team uh-huh. is overall, right? Like, like the teams in front, well, I, the Le- the Leafs aren't being caught, right? The Leafs aren't being caught. It's a question of whether you think that Montreal, whether you think Winnipeg or Edmonton, and based on even point percentage, I mean, the Calgary Flames are still technically in it right now. I, I would still lean the team that I would look at. Uh, and the po- I know the points, there's a huge gap. But if you want to legitimately try to look at a team, if I had to, you know, pick a poison, if you will, 
I'm going to say the Oilers are the team that I would keep close tabs yeah. on to see if you could try to catch. There's a seven-point gap right now, pair, but that would be the team because I, I honestly, you look at goaltending, that's probably the one with the biggest question mark and the biggest lack of trust that I would have. Yeah, offset, though, by the two best players in the world. I think the Leafs have been the constant, but, you know, let's go back to where this team was, what, three weeks ago when the Leafs were coming into town for two, and the Leafs were 20 points better than the Vancouver Canucks. You thought, ah, they're done. Uh, the Leafs have been the one team in the conversation where you go, okay, they are the one or the two spot. I've thought the Jets have been the second-best balanced team in this league, but here you go. If you get some breaks and if you can get to Wednesday night, you're back in it with the Jets. And maybe the Jets, you know, maybe mentally there's just something wrong with this Jets team to get above it. Everyone's going to have their slide. The Canucks had their slide out of the gate. They had their worst schedule out of the gate. There's two games left for these guys to get to that point where they can actually have a rest. And when they rest and recover, they'll see number 40 back in the lineup. They may have some energy. And to me, James, you just need one of these two to stay in the conversation. Win them both. And then butter your popcorn and watch what's going to go on while you rest. But at least stay one and stay relative because they've worked so hard to fall flat and to go into the break on a down note. I mean, the crazy thing is as good as Vancouver has been over the last, what, three weeks here in the month of March, the Oilers, they've won seven of the last nine. Right, like, mm-hmm. like they have essentially taken care of business in their own end, and and just a, a sweep uh, this past weekend of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, and coming back from a two goal deficit on Saturday to take care of business as well. So, twenty four minutes after seven o'clock, hey, Kevin B. Exit will join us from Hockey Night in Canada just after eight o'clock as Juice joins us each and every Monday here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet six fifty. And in a moment, we're playing fair or foul. Get your takes in. How hot? How not? And we'll determine what's fair or foul. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. We play fair or foul next right here. On your home of the Canucks, it's game day on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 7.31, mix of sun and cloud in the forecast today. Uh, yeah, the sun finally coming back out after a pretty gray and uh, miserable weekend. Uh, looks like we'll have a high of about 9 degrees today. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, Canucks and Jets from Rogers Arena. And uh, hey, Per, uh, for, those of the, uh, for those of our listeners that are uh, involved in the sports card collecting industry, and obviously, man, like how explosive has the business been over the last year, uh, Upper Deck Series 2 of this year's uh, NHL season, I think, drops this week. And so some great young gun cards and rookie cards to get a hold of. Tim Stutzla, one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and starting today... Uh, we've got a brand new upper deck player spotlight before our Canucks game broadcast. So there's 11 games that are uh, the next 11 games are going to be taking part in this. And leading up to the start of each game, we're going to feature a Canucks player in the spotlight. That player will also be highlighted with their upper deck card on Twitter that we'll also share uh, at some point as well. Um, then you, the listeners, are going to have a chance to text that player's name to 650-650 and win a prize pack from Upper Deck. So the prizes will vary over the next 11 games, but you'll have a chance to win uh, tonight. I'm told that it's a 2021 Upper Deck Series starter kit that will feature 
some Upper Deck Series 2 cards as well. So that's coming up tonight. So listen for your chance to win on the pregame show tonight. So if you're on your ride home later on today, if you're one of the few that aren't working from home these days, uh, make sure you're listening here or listening on the Sportsnet app at home as well. And for your chance to text in the player's name and you can win yourself an Upper Deck prize pack courtesy of our good friends over at Upper Deck Pair. Seems like a long time ago, our friends at Upper Deck, we were uh, opening up cards on the show. They were so nice to give most of us our own hockey card, which I think we all cherish, James, to have. But uh, I know you got a Quinn Hughes rookie card, so a lot of fun. There's nothing foul about what you just said about what's on the line for someone to win from Upper Deck there. There we go. Uh, let's, break. let's get uh, Greg Ballack from the other side of the glass and get him warmed up with those dulcet tones as well. We'll hit the music on today's edition of Fair or foul boys fair foul it is wrong that the canucks are putting their deadline ad deadline asset sale on hold after elliot friedman reporting hey the canucks might be uh, not selling assets after this recent run uh it's okay fair foul that's fair you can put it on hold and then by tonight you can take your finger off the hold button Nothing's happening right now. I mean, do you really expect in the next three days we're going to hear a bunch of trades? There's hesitation. So if Jim Benning's taking the calls and saying, hey, I'm going to wait till Wednesday night and see how we go into this break, that's fair. Sorry, James, are you for or against the decision to hold? You know what? I completely worded it the wrong time when I <laughs> corrected myself. I, you know what? My initial was, it's wrong that the Canucks are putting their deadline asset sale on hold. I'm going to say that's foul because the only time you have to make that decision is right before the deadline. If you decide to change your mind, you have that much time. So, yeah, don't get premature with the trades. Wait a little bit and, and see how much room you can make if up the on these pri- If yet. the price is right now, it shouldn't be a hesitation at this point on an expiring contract. It's not going to go down unless the guy gets hurt the value other options might be there that aren't available now so that price may not be there in a few weeks your options might be limited guys fair or foul it's burning me i want to see hoaglander i want to see hughes in a shootout in a mustard situation before i want to see a guy who's worn the uniform twice in jimmy vc they've invested in it give them the chance to win the game for the team Foul. I didn't hear you complaining when Tyler Toffoli got a chance in his first game as a Canuck in the shootout. Stay in your lane. I think it's fair. I think Perry's on the nail in the head there because, yeah, these these are guys that you have invested a lot of time in, and why would you give somebody who you just brought in a chance? How Unless- do you not win a new t- – how, how about a nice vote of confidence for a guy who's been claimed off waivers – trying to find his way with a new teammate, and the coach gives you a stick tap to say, hey, get out there and try to win it for us. Oh, you gave him a vote of confidence when you put him on the number one power play unit. How about you show up this rookie who's done everything, who you're still scared to put on three and three where you're in overtime, and you go, okay, now we'll try him. Now, granted, he missed the net when he shot. I needed to see him before I see the VC. Fair foul. This is the most exciting play in hockey. Todd Scott with it. The net is empty. He'll shoot towards, down the ice, bouncing around, and he scores! Todd Scott and the goalie goal! Yeah, that's former Vancouver Giant and current Tri-City Storm goalie Todd Scott scoring his first career goal. It, does it get any better than that, you guys? I don't think it's so. i got to say foul what? because ga- a game's all, mm. a game, it's, it's an empty netter, man, right? 
You know, it's not. This is so rare, though. How, uh, I, have you I, ever I seen a goalie I, score I a goal a person? Have you ever uh, been to a yes, game? Of getting to Bakov. You were there uh, for that one? Yes, I was. Wow. Yeah. Um, jealous. That was what? That's almost 20 years ago now. But, you know, like, honestly. You and 50,000 other people were in the building for that one, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, honestly, I, is it exciting for the fans? Yeah, but the game's out of reach. I don't know. It's an empty netter, desperation. I, I don't know, mm. man. I don't know if it's the most exciting. I, I think that's. I, I think it's fair. You, you know, if you're there for it. Hey, Thatcher Demko. What did they have a three or four one lead when they pulled the goal? And he said, "I was kind of thinking about it." Balak, let me ask you this: In all your beer league and all the hockey you've played, how many times have you taken a crack? You're never in a situation where there's been an empty net. It's or very how often rare. Do you shoot I, the puck? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not often the one to uh, to shoot it down the ice or launch it down the ice. So I think I've only tried it a couple of times. But the situation never really comes up in. Uh, for me, I don't know. Valak, can you even raise rare. the pu- can you even raise the puck? <laughs> it's not my strongest uh, <laughs> yeah. skill, but uh, I think I'm you're better than Mike Luongo, Smith. which doesn't you're, say much. You're not you're not Mike Smith. No, um, definitely not. <laughs> people sign your sign your text, everybody. Uh, this text coming in, and I like it. Fair or foul? NHL coaches are ruining three on three overtime. Man, I think that's fair, and I don't know if it's just because we're in this Canadian division and it means so much. But holy possession, puck, not moving. Let's not take our chances. Last couple overtimes the Canucks have been, and it's like a chess game. Gone are the days of just freestyling. It's been Montreal, though. They're the ones yeah. that are, are yeah. hanging back. I actually tweeted about that during the, the last overtime, and I just said, you can't lay back like that. You need, At some point during three-on-three, three, you need to just tell your goaltender, you know, there's a possibility you'll get an odd man rush. It might happen. And you're going to need to save. It doesn't think, mean you just yeah. hang back the entire overtime. I, I think part of it is a personnel thing that Montreal had. Um, but here's it. But but can I also point out that anybody not watch the last minute of that three on three on Saturday night? Like that was insane. It went back and forth. Like the final. Like yes, I get the first four minutes were slow, but that final minute was back and forth, up and down. Both teams had chances. I thought it was great. It, like it took four minutes to get there, but it was awesome. Because the Canucks finally picked up the puck. Yes, but but <laughs> yeah. like but it was still dramatic and fun. Another so I'm saying, I'm saying foul. I'm saying foul on that. No, you're you're wrong. Uh, another fair foul. Sign your text too. Everyone continues to complain about Holpe. At least he isn't making $10 million for six or seven years while letting in four on 18. Uh-oh. Hey, man, we, we, dealt, we dealt with the I love Marky, I love Tanif. You know, quietly, we're just all into Thatcher Demko and going, hmm. You know, in Calgary, there would be no bigger story in the North Division than if they make all the moves to fill the spots that they thought they had issues with. And, man, they are on the outside looking in, guys. They've got to fix it in a hurry, or that's a that's a dumpster fire and a contract you're hanging on to going, uh, yeah, we've got more issues than goaltending right now. Chris Dreer. Uh, yeah, Taking well, over for Bob. Who's, who, yeah, well, you're going to lose him probably in the expansion draft. Yeah, you have to protect at, the, at this rate, right? Like, you know, Bob, Bob you're committed to, <laughs> and for for millions and millions and millions, you got fifty more million reasons to uh, yeah. to commit to him. And Drieger's only 26, 27, too. That's so it. yeah, you're, yeah. you're you wonder, bang on there. I wonder how much Seattle's looking at that. Uh, fair or foul, Jack Edwards. Where the Bruins take on the NHL's version of a dumpster fire. The Buffalo Sabres. Um, I'm going to say uh, that's foul. I think Jack had a phone call from the NHL office the next morning. 
I understand what he's saying, but although you're working for a team, you're working about the league, and to say they're a dumpster fire, I'm sure it wasn't appreciated. I'm going to say foul, maybe? I don't know. It's tough to say because if you don't want to be called a dumpster fire, uh, don't exactly. be a dumpster fire. Don't be a dumpster fire, But it's still exactly. not nice to come out and say it right no, out in no, the but, intro. But, but, like but honestly, what is he not saying something that the rest of us aren't saying mm-hmm. that we haven't said? No. He just uh, he just did it on an NHL broadcast, but I mean from a from a local standpoint, you're talking about a team, the opponents rolling in that are just absolutely tragic. I think it's fair, man. Be better, Buffalo. Be better. David Price, yeah, he says, is. don't like it, pitch better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's fair. Hey, uh, fair or foul? We got eight games in the NCAA today. Unless it's your school, no one roots for the favorite in the first weekend of March Madness. <laughs> That's fair. Fair. That's fair. Fair. Ballard, what fair you got? foul. Go ahead, Perry. Go go ahead, Ballard. Go ahead, Ballard. All right. Well, you mentioned it in your PS No BS that the Houston Rockets are now on a 20-game losing streak, and the Grizzlies' longest losing streak was, I believe, 23 games, you said. Well, the record itself is 28, and I say fair or foul, the Houston Rockets are going to break the NBA's all-time losing streak. But there's a there's an interesting uh, caveat to this. They play the Raptors, and they have lost eight in a row. So something's got to give there between those two teams. Yeah, listen, when a team gets that bad, you root you root for them to keep on losing. Like it's it's as simple as that. I I think they'll get a win. Uh, you know these guys are pro players. They'll figure it out at some point. And unless you're a Houston Cougar, there's no. No athlete in that city right now that I think wants to be associated with Houston. Everything's bad right now with Houston. That's fair. Um, a fair or foul, the playoffs are out of reach. Keep Petey out as long as it takes and maybe longer until he's healed from Jesse and Kamloops. Ah, Jesse, that's that's foul. They're not out of reach. They win their next two, and you're going to break, and you're just rooting for everybody, and the Canucks are in it for the final five, six weeks. Petey was riding a scooter yesterday. You guys see that on Instagram? He was scooting around town. Hopefully with a helmet. Uh, you know what? I, I It makes zero sense for Elias Pettersson to be in the lineup tonight and tomorrow. I'd be shocked to see him. I mean, if you've missed essentially a quarter of the Canucks season already uh, with injury, for him to come back to play two games when you've got another week off looming, yeah, not happening. Well, it's not LTIR yeah. as it is, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing about injuries, you just don't know what's going on. But I don't think they expect him to be around here for a couple more weeks. Hey, fair or foul, guys? Blue Jays will win American League East. Fair. Balak? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think the Yankees are definitely the, the favorites going in. But I think the you know the pitching for the Jays is going to surprise a lot of people. And they certainly have the offense. So I, I'm going to root for... Root for the Canadian team. I'm, I'm, John, you know what? I'm yeah. jumping in with Balak on this mm-hmm. one. I'm going fair as well. And uh, you know what? I think injuries have shown that they absolutely tore apart the Yanks at times uh, last year. And I think that is a very distinct possibility this year. I'm selling hope on the Jays, man. I'm 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 in on that one. How about this one, guys? I'm gonna throw this one at you, yeah, Para. You probably I, I don't even know if you can weigh in on this or not, but Ben Affleck is the best version of Batman in yeah. film. <laughs> I'm not a Ben Affleck guy. No. Neither am I. Can I go Michael Keaton? You can. Sure. I will. Those I will. Those were so cheesy, though. 
I know. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> Ben Affleck is the best version of Batman on screen. And I hated the, the casting Who initially. Who are the Batmans? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Adam Val West. Val Kilmer. George Clooney. Yeah, I guess you can go, I mean, from a film standpoint, there was a movie with Adam West uh, beyond just the TV series. And then Michael Keaton as well. I'm telling you, man, Affleck's great. I hated the casting at first, but he's outstanding as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Who's had the better career, Affleck or uh, Matt Damon? Ooh. Affleck's I'm probably gonna, made more money. I, like, I want Matt Damon to be my neighbor. I Although think I Matt tell Damon, you what. I, I, you know what, I think Damon, I think, I'm going to say Matt Damon because of the uh, the Bourne movies. I think he probably mm. had a better run. I don't know if, if Ben's had something quite like that. But Ben's had the, the like, he's had the critical acclaim, though, right? Yeah, Gili yeah, yeah, did really well in the box office. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, but Gone Baby, what was it? Gone, uh, you know, Gone Girl. Um, yeah, I think Argo. Uh, obviously, Goodwill Hunting with him and Matt Damon. But yeah, I'm telling you, someone's Batman. fair or foul saying Clint is the worst Batman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that, that movie was doomed to fail. All right, 745, Kevin BX joining us just after uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, more of your texts at 650, 650. Here it is game day on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's not like the Jets have been playing at Buffalo Sabre standards. Uh, so, you know, their, their level of play is still pretty close to where they want it to be. The NHL's version of a dumpster fire. The Buffalo Sabres. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, nine minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. Kevin BX will join us just after 8. Uh, Nick in Surrey taking issue on your um, criticism of uh, Jimmy BC uh, getting put in the pecking order for the shootout here, Pear. Have you guys lost your mind? If the coaching staff thinks VC gives them the best chance of scoring in the shootout, then that's the guy they should put in first. Like you said, it's a must-win situation. Shouldn't matter how long they've been a Canuck for. If the Canucks traded for Crosby, would you say the same thing? Absolutely not. I think that's a total fair by Nick. No, Nick. I mean, how many times did they have the Canucks? They were playing a hunch. VC, it's okay. I know you've been a fourth-line guy, and I know you've been inconsistent, and we don't even know your move, so let's see what you get. Now, in fairness, you made a nice move. I just want guys who might just be a little more invested in the journey because, you know, we heard that clip from Jack Edwards. The Canucks were walking towards that dumpster fire, you know, seven weeks ago, and they've pulled out of it. I just want it committed to someone who goes, okay, maybe there's something there. Uh, another text coming in. Keep the text coming in the Dumberline text line, 650 Sabalski finally gets his way. They go with Holpe. We lose some very valuable points to Montreal. We could have rested Demko against Winnipeg, and we're not chasing them. Great call, Sabalski. I don't know if you had any influence in it, but we certainly debated it on Friday. I think we had over 1,000 people in on it. It seemed to be almost a 60-40 split that Holpe would get that game. That's without knowing what was going to take place Friday night. I would have played Demko. I think the fact that Holpe was essentially screened on four shots on Saturday is the fact that the defenseman in front of him might have been trying to do a little too much rather than let's get out of the way because he's going to stop anything. We'll see what Kevin Bieksa says to that. But my call would have been Demko plays. Hope he sees if he can get this one tonight. Not going to happen. It's deflating because you didn't gain any ground against a team that you desperately need to try to gain some ground on in the standings. Um, but I would say this. 
to me, the one that's more deflating was the Friday night where you allowed the Habs to get that loser point on mm-hmm. Friday, and you had Demko in goal, right? Like, you had Demko in goal, and you had a one-goal lead with two minutes to go in the game, and you conceded, right? I mean, hey, look, it wasn't Demko's fault. The team kept taking a parade of penalties, but that's, like, you can't sit there and blame Holtby for losing in a shootout on Saturday night where you had Demko in goal, and, man, like, trust me, I'm on Team Demko here, but at some point you have to get Braden Holtby in. And you're going to have to do it at least two more times in the month of April when you got to go back-to-backs two more times at the beginning of the month and the end of the month. Yeah, I, you know, I, there's a lot of people that disagree with it. Uh, wow, what a brilliant move to to play Hopi and goal. Demko will be well-rested for the rest of these meaningless games of the season. Yeah, that's where I go with. That was the most important game of the year Saturday night. If and only if Demko said, you know what, I'm fresh enough, I can handle it, I would have played him. I would have played him. Friday night, you get a phantom call against Roussel. You miss a high stick against Tyler Myers. And then you got crappy luck with Tyler Mott. But, yeah, Friday would have been different. But if they win Friday, I don't think it changes Travis Green's mind. I think the coaching staff, and as Corey Hirsch had mentioned, they may have mapped it out. And I don't think you can map anything out right now in this season. You go, what's next? What's in front of me? And to grab that Montreal Canadian Saturday night win and see if you can stuff two points away with the hottest goalie in the world, that was the play they should have made. Okay, 650-650, uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is hopping like mad. But you know what? Kevin BX is going to join us in a quick moment. Uh, Jay and Delta asking, hey, morning, guys. Where's Sonia this morning? Sonia Asim from News 1130 is actually off this week. She was sick of Perry's takes, so she needed a week of uh, relaxation and a refresh. But uh, guess what? We got Kevin BX who joins us next here on your home of the Canucks. And it's game day, P, on Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe. And the Canuck commute. The Canucks were taking some calls on their potential unrestricted free agents, including Tanner Pearson, before he got hurt. They've decided to wait. They're going to see how things play out. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Kevin Bieksa will join us uh, coming up in just a few moments from uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Kevin uh, joining us every Monday here at this time. This hour presentation of our good friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski here on this Canucks game day as Vancouver looks to get back on the winning track against the Winnipeg Jets here tonight in pair. Uh, what Elliot Friedman had shared on um, headlines on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada certainly kind of had a lot of people uh, frustrated, I think, um, and, and just kind of questioning where where is this team going? Where is this team going right now? And, and that's, you know, one of the things that I think some fans kind of struggle with where – you know, what's the plan? And, you know, here's here's a good text here, uh, Justin on Tashada Island, uh, but saying, like, if what Friedman says is true, this is another example of the Canucks having no plan and waffling to the win whenever it changes. Sick of this management group. No wonder Jim runs out of time. Uh, Aquaman can never make up his mind. Are we rebuilding? Are we going for it? Are we just going to be mediocre forever? Um, and that's where you kind of like this is where this always comes back to the day by day, that sort of statement that, you know, Jim Benning kind of suggested, hey, there's 16 games to go. Um, let's see where things go. We're kind of halfway there now where the Canucks have just reeled off, what, a run of 7-1-1 one, and one in the last nine games. But I think it really frustrates fans 
when you hear this, well, we still have time here. You know, I, I would disagree in the sense, I, I don't think Jim Benning has changed his mindset. I think when they get past Wednesday night, and I'm going to say they'll split with Winnipeg because just like they did with Montreal, you, you know, you played well, but did you get any ground? If they split with Winnipeg, I think they'll get a better sense of where they are when they watch hockey for a week, when they watch all these games in hand slip away and go, okay, this isn't realistic. But but I don't believe, and I could be completely wrong, that Jim Benning is looking at this team going, how can I make us better to go deeper in the playoffs? I don't think Jim Benning is looking at the postseason. He's looking at, can I move some bodies that will make us better in the offseason? Can I move some contracts that make us better? Or do I just move these players who, who are going to be free agents and get a pick for them? I don't think that is changing. And I understand the hesitation. I don't think we're going to spend the next week, James, going, oh, man, there's been four deals made in the NHL right now. He's waiting to see where they are. But I don't think making this team better right now for this push is, is part of his mindset. VC, that off waiver, great. Make him better. Help out. Pearson's hurt. An extra pro body, that's excellent. Pod Colson, is he coming? Is he here in about four weeks' time? You know, you've got that to play too. So I, I, I'm okay with Jim Benning not doing anything yet. I just don't think it's – it's. you have to make that decision yet. He said, hey, we've got 16 games left. Let it play out right now. I understand what he's doing. Well, the fact that it kind of gets out there, it just it, it drives, I think, this market nuts where you're going, okay, like, what's the plan, right? And this is where it really kind of struggles. Like, do we do we know what direction this organization is going where, you know, look, this team is not built for a deep Stanley Cup playoff run, right? And is he's admitted that. And, and, and look, the numbers are even against the Canucks for where this team is at right now, right? Like, you know, right now they've got, what, a – 13.9% chance of making the playoffs according to Money Puck, which has actually doubled their playoff chances. Their numbers actually doubled over the, la- over the last week, right? So mm-hmm. they've continued to play well, but um, there's other teams that are picking up points as well, right? I mean, the Flames pick up points. Look, the Oilers have now won seven of their last nine games. You know, the Jets have been below 500 for the last eight, but, you know, I'll say this. I don't think any asset that the Canucks cut bait on is bringing an asset to help this team back now. So I don't think there's a fear of having to worry about a player or a set individual having to go through a Canadian quarantine on this side of the border. So I don't think, I think that's a moot point. But I don't think that this should completely change direction where this team's on a run right now. But I do wonder if there's a sense that, hey, look, Let's let's give these guys at least another week to kind of see where things are sitting, right? Because there's two games to go before the break here, pair. You got a week off starting on Wednesday night, and because you don't have to worry about any asset coming to help this team and go through a quarantine, I don't know if there's quite the sense of urgency that some people like to make it out to be. No, and and listen, they've been able to play without Tanner Pearson and been able to throw VC in there. I think the names we anticipate will likely be gone if moves are made. Our probably Sutter will be attractive for a team. I think Jordy Benz played some really good hockey. And so the, what you get in return for them, is it making your team better? No. The only thing where I would go, and maybe people would agree, if somehow there was a, a player moved who still has term on a contract, if a Jake Pertan or a Roussel or a Beagle gets moved, I go, okay, Jim Benning, that's a win. But with the exception of a, an Alex Burroughs trade or a Yannick Hansen trade where you go, Oh, so they're moving some veterans for some younger guys. Oh, I see the direction they're in. I don't think there's any surprise that this team knows they're a couple years away. So does the GM. 
And those moves that are going to make a difference are going to be made in the offseason. The question is whether or not Jim Benny gets to make them. Kevin Bieksa, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, joins us at this time. Uh, Andrew Sherritt, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since eight, uh, 1982. And uh, Juice, are we back in the dog park this morning? No, gentlemen. We are in the living room on the couch, and the dog just went back to bed. He's had enough. Oh, it's that kind of Monday, huh? Yeah, he's like, you know what? Not ready to attack this week. I'm going <laughs> to shut her down for a little bit, and then you're going to walk me after. Okay, I want I want to I want to co- come at it hot then here to kind of pick this up on a Monday. So, your your partner in crime on hockey night on Saturday night, Elliot Friedman, suggested that you know both Columbus and Vancouver right now with some improved play as of late have kind of changed the narrative, or at least they're giving some pause to say. Well, you know what? Maybe we're not just all in about a fire sale right now and trying to dump as many assets as we can before the deadline and maybe allow this to ride out. Do guys in the room take notice of that? Like is there is there a thought to say, "Hey, you know what? Like give us give us another week or so to figure this out and see if we can kind of keep the good times going or, you know, do players even pay attention to that? Cuz I mean, I guess the, it is their future and livelihood, you know, with a lot of guys. But but how much does that play in the room then? Well, do you remember when Elliot was explaining that that point and how he how he put it? He said it was some trade line constipation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we discussed <laughs> that. Yeah, exactly. that's what he said. So right away, I stopped listening because I wasn't on that segment with him. So, anyways, uh, the, the gist of it is, yeah, like there's been, you know, they thought they were going to be sellers for sure, and and like I don't know if the players are, are paying attention to that as much as they're just they're paying more attention to the playoff race and those four wins or the, sorry, those three wins, the overtime loss, they just kind of crept them back into the race a little bit going into this uh, two game set against Winnipeg, who's a team above them. So um, I, I don't think players get that, uh, that much say in the matter. I don't think they can go to the GM and say, listen, give us another week to, to figure this out. I don't think there's that dialogue, but they certainly know the better they play and the longer they play, the more of a leash they're going to get before you know, trades are made for the future. Uh, I want to weigh in and get your opinion on, on what we talked about all Friday morning, had thousands of people voting on it. We've discussed it this morning. Listen, it was not Braden Holpe's fault on Saturday night. He had a tired hockey team in front of him. But he couldn't see the puck, and Thatcher Demko had been so good. Is there any logic to the fact that, not that the guys are surprised, that maybe Thatcher needed a rest. I would have played him. But the fact that most of those goals were screened, as a defenseman, Kevin, are you trying to do more when a goalie plays for the first time in three weeks, hasn't seen much? Are you trying to help him more? Was there a collective mindset change on that hockey team Saturday? Yeah, maybe there is, especially when it's not like he's the backup, but they probably looked at him as the backup in that particular case because he hadn't played in 17 days and Demko was on a, a, a roll. I just, I would have personally just stuck with the hot hand with, with them. Thank you. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, but like I'm looking at the schedule right now, but what we don't know is how tired he was. So we're not with yeah. him day to day and we don't understand. And the travel, I know it's not a lot of travel from Ottawa to Montreal, but it's still a little short flight and it's still a change of hotels. And we're not sure like what the practice schedule was Tuesday, Thursday, if they practiced, if it was light. So maybe he did some extra work with Ian Clark on the Tuesday or the Monday or sorry, the Sunday. So we don't know that. So you got to give Travis Green and and Ian Clark a little bit of, uh, um, you know, discretion there to make that call. 
So maybe he was a bit tired. And, and certainly, like, when you have a guy like Holpe that you bring in, he's gone 17 days without playing. Like, you have to be able to trust him to play on the second game of a back-to-back. But as far as the blocking shots, and Joey Kenward's just blowing up my phone this morning, asking me about shot blocks, how Canucks are leading the league, and is that a result of, uh, you know, always just weathering the storm, or is it a conscious effort or a commitment to win? Well, it's probably somewhere in the middle. If you look at the top five teams, and I'm just going <laughs> to pull up my, my text messages with Joey, it's Vancouver, Edmonton, uh, Columbus, Anaheim, Ottawa. So there's only one team in the playoffs out of those top five. But then he quickly rebuttals with the, the Islanders are six. So, yeah, at, at times I think the Canucks give up a lot of shots and a lot of chances against, And but they are a team that's committed to win and, and will block shots. A little bit of the Chris Tanev effect probably still not hasn't worn off there yet. And they have to do that to win, but – as you said, if you don't block the shot, then you're screening your goalie. So my, I always said either block the shot or get the hell out of the way. So if you're not going to get it or you have, there's a part of you that thinks you're not going to get it, get out of the way. And there was a clip that I, I clipped with uh, Jake Furtanen, and I didn't love his game last uh, on Saturday night, but he ended up scoring the goal. So I was kind of watching him. But the one clip, the puck went to Shea Weber at the point, and he actually sidestepped. Uh, and, and gave the lane to Holpe because he said, listen, this is going to be a very hard shot for me to block with Shea Weber, and let's just give my goalie the best opportunity to make a save. And he did. Weber shot it, Holpe made a glad save, and then there's your whistle. So there's a case of if you're not going to block it or you think there's a good chance you can't because you're so deep, then get the hell out of the way and let the goalie make the save. Do guys play different depending on the goalie who's who's behind them? Yeah, I, I think there's just a natural urgency with, with backups at times, depending on how big the gap is between the starter and the backup. When I was in Anaheim, my first year, we had Freddie Anderson and John Gibson. Obviously not a big drop-off, depending on who you consider the starter and the backup. Mm-hmm. Then it was uh, Ryan Miller and John Gibson. Then it was and before that, it was Anton Kudobin and uh, John Gibson. So as you can see, like pretty, pretty good one-two punches there. So I don't think we ever changed the way we played. But in Vancouver, you know, to be honest and fair, there were some years there in the middle where with Longo was definitely, until Corey Schneider came into the fold, it was definitely, you know, our starting goalie and our backup. And we had our backups play, like the Danny Sabrins and the Maxime Ouellettes. And, and I know Eddie Lack's probably listening right now. But, uh, you know, those goalies, no disrespect, but it was, it was more of a let's tighten things up a little bit. Let's maybe do a little bit more to block shots. Let's defend a little bit tighter than usual. And, uh, and you know what, usually you play better hockey that way. Those, those guys usually get the tougher games, the end of a back-to-back, the game that like you're playing against a really good team uh, on the road in their building. And it's almost like, okay, this was going to be a hard game to win anyways. So let's just start the backup and throw them to the wolves. Like those are a lot of the games that the backups would get. So yeah, there is a tendency to be more urgent for sure. Kevin Bieksa joins Perry Solkowski and James Sabalski, the starting lineup, every Monday morning. Uh, Juice, you told us last week we were talking about back-to-backs, and you said, listen, man, you're young, trained like Alex Edler. Your players shouldn't be tired back-to-back. Tonight, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I watched too much March Madness this weekend. I'm questioning if these guys are mentally fatigued. Is that more of a concern tonight? Would a hockey player just be tired mentally from the grind and they know kind of the break is finally coming Wednesday night? Or are they physically tired when you come back from that trip out east? No, I think I think they'll recover from the physical, especially with yesterday. 
but you're right. The mental is the thing to be concerned about. And, and I mean, it is what it is. Like everybody's going through it. But if you look at all the, the hockey they've played lately and all the, the long hockey, like the overtime games, the shootout games, this has been just a mental. It's not like they've won, you know, the, the last game they won convincingly was, I don't know, it was back in February, I think. Yeah, it was a 5-1 win in February. So these have all been tight games, like the, the 2-1 games, the 3-2 games, the overtimes, the shootouts. Those are mentally draining because you're up, you're down, you're trying to come back from behind. You you know, the the Montreal games, they let in, you know, two third-period goals to tie the game. The one late from Gallagher, but the game before, it was a little bit earlier in the period, but still, they're winning, going into the third, and, you know, they give up a lead, and then they got to grind out a point in overtime, and then on Saturday, they lose the point in overtime. That's mentally exhausting. So, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we talk about that as, as hockey players and athletes, that when you're mentally tired, being able to focus enough to, to get the job done. So that's got to be like a focus for them going into this two-game set against Winnipeg is we're mentally tired, but there is a little light at the end of the tunnel. On Thursday, we're going to be able to sit around and, you know, have a drink and spend a couple of days away from the rink and be with our families that they have to get mentally focused for this two game set because as, as good as they play their, their butts are still on the line. Like they still are playing playoff games and trying to, you know, creep their way back into this. Now, butts on the line, constipation. It's been that kind of show this morning here, juice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, well, for lack of better terms, I guess. Right. I, I hear you, buddy. At least you're keeping it clean though. Um, the, the, the jets have lost five of eight. Um, we both I, we've had talks about the Jets here in the past on this show, and I think we're both of the same opinion that that we both like Winnipeg's makeup. So the fact that they've lost five of eight here, big deal or no big deal for Winnipeg? Seems like every Canadian team has has gone through this lull at some point in the season where they've had like a little bit of a losing streak, and their seasons kind of look like it's turned and, and made a turn to drop into the toilet. Another reference for you. Ah! And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got a little Ron McLean wearing off on me, but uh, <laughs> a little, yeah, like, yeah, a little. The Jets have—they've uh, slid a little bit here lately, but they—they've still been playing some pretty good hockey. Like they lose a two-game set to Edmonton, yeah. They—they they split with uh, Montreal, but still a pretty good team. And the makeup of that team is—is is suited for playoffs. So Hellebuck is an amazing goalie. Could be one of the best goalies in the league. And their D are just steady and nothing flashy. Very very uh, blue-collar defense. And then their forwards, obviously, are pretty dynamic with Ehlers and Kopp. And, or not Kopp, uh, yeah, Kopp, but uh, Connor and all those guys. So not pr- probably not a team that you want to take lightly. Like I, I was always worried about playing these teams that were going through these little skids because you knew, you knew the coach was trying mm-hmm. to light a fire under their butts, under their butts, and you knew that you wow. know they were pissed off that they were losing. So they're a team that's going to be ready to play tonight. You got to think. Kevin BX is giving us all the details about hard around the board, soft dumps in, and what the Canucks will face tonight. Um, hey, let me ask you this: soft, the best, dump, soft dumps. Team? That's another one I, there, pair. Quietly, guys. Quietly, I threw that in. Yeah, I think we've kind of done everything we can with that. Hey. um... Who's the number two team in this Canadian division? I think everyone feels the Leafs have been there. They've had their slide. Is it Winnipeg or is it Edmonton? Where do you sit with the best, second best team? Well, who's the best team then? Well, I think Toronto's always been in that top two conversation. So I think it's Toronto by default. I mean, they may have their slide, but I, 
I think the Oilers might be the team that ends up, if they get decent goaltending, and those two best guys in the world should put them. They were the top Canadian team last year. Could they unseat Yeah, them? I think it just flip-flops between Edmonton and Winnipeg, and, and, and it seems like Edmonton has it right now. And Like everybody, you, you know when you watch Saturday nights and Anthony Stewart's on there and he talks about, if you've ever noticed, he talks about tertiary scoring. Sure, you've heard it before, right? That's that's his word. You would have thought that he invented it because he uses it so much. We have we have a kick out of that. But is that a bathroom? Is about, that a bathroom thing? No, I wish it was. Tissue, no. tissuary or tertiary? I wouldn't even want to know what tertiary was in the bathroom <laughs> if you think about it, right? <laughs> it's your third option, not a good one. But uh... <laughs> it's out the ears. <laughs> oh God! But he uh, he talks about tertiary scoring, but I always say stew. With the Edmonton Oilers, you don't need you don't even need secondary scoring. You're going to get scoring from McDavid Drysaitel every every game. These guys are so good and so dominant. All everybody else on the team has to do is defend. Just defend. Just play defense. Don't take chances. Move the puck up. You know, get a couple second assists. But that's the way the Oilers are, are set up. They just need McDavid and Drysaitel to do what they do, which is pretty consistent. Yeah, you'll maybe keep them off the score sheet once in a while, but not too often. But if you can get Mike Smith and Koskinen and that defense to play half decent defense and keep it to three goals or less a game, you got a really good team to win. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're starting to really figure that out. And, and Darnell Nurse has been a beast for them this year. He's really on a defense core that's kind of needed somebody to just step up and take the bull by the horns. He's kind of done that this year. Yeah, uh, yeah the Colorado Avalanche have, have been absolutely on fire here for the last month. Um are they ready to be serious about a conversation uh, in, in that discussion with the Golden Knights now? Yeah, I think everybody looked at them at the start of the season and they picked them to be a Stanley Cup contender yep. and had a, had a little bit quieter start than I think most people thought. That, I think that's just, I think it's a tough division. I think you, you kind of look at some of the bottom teams there, the Ducks and the Coyotes and San Jose, but that, that top four there especially with the Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, like that's a tough group. Whoever comes out of there is going to have some battle wounds. And, you know, Colorado is definitely a team that I think a lot of people would see coming out of that division. But it's taken them a while to get going. And I don't think it's as much as them as it is. It's a, it's a tough division. So, and it's a physical division. And it's a, you know, it's a hard checking division. So I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if they come out of there. But they're starting to kind of find their game now. Hey, last one for you. Um, Ovi has been on a tear as of late. And that's not a bathroom reference, but he's, um, you know, just as he continues to climb up in the all-time scoring list. Do you have a good Ovi story at all? I got a, like it a great, but a decent. Uh, I, we, we had to play Washington the day after my son was born. So we were in Carolina, then we, we played them, obviously won. Then we flew to Detroit after the game and then just landed, was checking into the Hotel Detroit. Wife calls me water broke in labor fly home takes me like 12 hours to get home have the baby and then the next day the team's wrapping up the road trip in washington so i get on the plane i fly back across the country to washington and back then i was hard match up on ob it was uh i think it was me and hamuse and and i don't even know if hamuse was there yet but it was hard i had a hard matchup on ob for a few years there so Play him hard, you know, like getting licks on him. He, you know, remember him. He just runs around and steamrolls everybody. Mm-hmm. He was pretty aggressive earlier in his career with throwing hits. So I go at him, giving him shots after the whistle, just trying to drag him into the fight with me. 
he tries to throw a couple big hits on me, never never really gets me. So we're going all game. And every time he steps on the ice, one of the defensemen are turning around, probably Aaron Rome, like, I got to get off. He turns around, I go on, play like 25 minutes against him. So it's the third period, and there's like maybe five minutes left, and the game's tied. And I think it was tied. And he, he lines up on center ice, and he's lined up against Burr or somebody, and then I'm there, and he kind of like get, stands up and peeks around Burroughs and uh, just make sure to see if I'm there, and I'm right there, and I give him a wink, and he looks back at me, goes, I effing love this, and then he puts his head down, and then we <laughs> battled the rest of the time. So just, just like a fun guy to, to play against because he's so competitive, and, and that shows you why he's been this successful this late in his career. Like, just loves the game and just loves challenges and, and the battling. Nice. That's an awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Did you ever get a chance to, you know, I know you mentioned a couple weeks ago, you know, you met Sid in the hallway and, and he's asking you how you are. You know, with Ovi being the other, do you ever get a chance to actually talk to him and have a conversation? Because that respect on the ice, but probably not a chance to really talk to him about how he loved how you played the game as well. Yeah, well, we'd probably be friends if we met off the ice, but I don't hang out in those Russian clubs, those uh, Russian yeah. speakeasies <laughs> too often. So I, I don't know how much we have in common, but no, I, I've never seen him around before, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he's a pretty fun guy. You're probably wiped out by this, but uh, thanks for taking the time. Mentally, mentally, just like the Canucks, just drained right now. <laughs> Take drained care, buddy. Enjoy, enjoy the week, man. <laughs> Yeah, you too, guys. Bye. So, yeah, there he is. Uh, Kevin BX joining us this morning, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud B- family-owned BC company helping local business since 1982. Considering where that interview was, uh, probably best that a plumbing company sponsoring it, don't you think? <laughs> How many people right now listening going, would you guys just shut the hell up clean it up uh 25 minutes after eight o'clock we'll dive into, uh, we'll dive into uh what uh, juice had to say and much much more on your home of the canucks it is game day here on sportsnet 650 More of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 8.31 on this Monday morning, sun popping. Sabolski, Solkowski, and uh, puck drop. Ten and a half hours from now at Rogers Arena as the Canucks try to keep this uh, their own version of March Madness alive. In all likelihood, Thatcher Demko back in goal for what will likely be his uh, 12th start in the last 14 games for the Vancouver Canucks. And um, You know, Pear, it seems like you're not the only one that seemed to be annoyed over Braden Holpe making an appearance. Hey, look, I'll give you this. Um, the way he kind of played those screenshots, I mean, he just looked totally lost out there, right? Uh, you know, totally, totally lost. But Braden Holpe is not the reason why they came up short. Um, with only one point. Out of, out of, like, here's the other thing. The Canucks just picked up seven of eight points on that road trip, and mm-hmm. they picked up three of four points against a Montreal team that, when you look at bad matchups for teams this season, the Montreal Canadiens absolutely own the Canucks coming into those two games Friday and Saturday at the Bell Centre. But fact is, the Canucks were in position to, you know, pick up four points and the Habs nothing, right? 
you, you lost it Friday night. Uh, you, you had a phantom penalty call against you with Roussel, and they scored on the power play. The refs missed the high stick on Tyler Myers, and then you've got the bad luck of, of Tyler Mott uh, flipping the puck over the board. So you, you, you should have put that one in your back pocket and get the two points. But I don't think that would have made a difference. I think Travis Green was going with Thatcher Demko uh, on the bench on Saturday. It was going to be Holpe. And, you know, as Kevin Bieksa said, I, I kind of would have went with the hot guy if, indeed, he was good to go. Now, who knows? If he said, I'm exhausted, let's hold play, then let him play. But I think from a mindset, if your guys are trying to block shots, they're likely blocking it because the guy in the net hasn't played in three weeks, and they kind of feel unfair about him. But you win that game and pick up the points against Montreal, it makes a difference how big those four-point games could be. Uh, I just would have played Thatcher Demko. And a lot of people this morning going, why didn't you? And go, okay, Holtby tonight, let's see what he can do. Now, to me, the pressure is on, A, Demko better remain hot. If he has cooled off somewhat, you go, okay, maybe that wasn't the play. Because you need this first one against the Jets because Wednesday becomes so big. And the one thing that's interesting, James, we will know where this team is. Because when the Canucks come back to play, they will have played 37 games. But the Oilers will have played 39. So for the first time all year long, the Canucks will have games in hand. Uh, you know, the Jets will have played 36. The Habs will have played the same amount of games. They'll have played 36. The uh, Flames will have played 37, same as the, the Canucks. So they're losing all these games in hand that have kept them in this playoff talk. Let's see where they are a week from Wednesday. No, I, I mean, like, hey, look, things may level out. Like, I don't see the Montreal Canadiens with the four games in hand. I don't see Montreal picking up all eight points. But there are those points out there that are to be had. The one thing that benefits the Canucks in the schedule, and there's a there's a bit of a pick-your-poison with it, their next ten straight here pair, all against the Oilers, Jets, and Flames. Four against Winnipeg, three against the Oilers, three against the Flames. Like, you take care of business and you have some success here, it bodes well for your chances if you're trying to still sell hope for this team and, and try to keep yourself alive in the dance, right? Like, these are all those teams that you are trying to catch right now, essentially, in the standings. Um, the downside is, after these first three games, so this double shot with the Jets here starting on uh, later on tonight, but then you have one game after the break at Rogers Arena, and it's seven straight on the road. Seven. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how, I, like, even 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 in a season like this, they've got a seven-game road trip that still looms right after a week-long break. Because of who you're playing, you know, this pace of winning two out of every three, I do think it brings them right back into it to the end. Uh, it's unfortunate you have the success you did against Montreal, but it was like you're on a conveyor belt. You weren't going anywhere. But they did bring in, you know, the whole the whole standings got condensed, right? The Leafs could have been 20 points above Toronto, uh, above the Canucks when they came here last time. They're not. They're actually in the picture. You win both against Winnipeg. You're actually ahead of Winnipeg in the stands. Of course, I thought the Jets would have been gone by now. So they've stayed in contact with everybody. And when they return after this break, if you can split it, you'll go, okay, if you take business and what's in front of you, as you said, you're playing the teams you're chasing. The only thing you can hope for, Ottawa's the only team that can do you any favors, right? Anytime Ottawa wins, it's an upset. They've got Calgary tonight. Looks like the Senators are going to make an NHL debut. Flip Gustafson's probably going to start in goal, so he'll play his first game in the NHL. That's not in your favor, but they've taken care of business. We should say, hey, they've played really good hockey. If they can continue it, just get the sense that the fan base is waiting for the other shoe to drop and go, okay, that's, that wasn't real. It was all Thatcher Demko. We'll see. They've done it without their best player. He should return by the time they come back. Uh, some other news around this morning. Uh, you touched on Ottawa. It looks like Eric Goodbranson uh... – 
benched in Ottawa uh, finally happening. Yeah, you know what? I was surprised he was playing 20 minutes a game for them. Like, is that an indictment to what you have? I would think so. It's not like Eric Branson. I know Ottawa's his home. Maybe there is a little bit of a resurgence, but you spend your time looking at the young guys on the team rather than the veterans. But, uh, yeah, Eric Branson. How about what Chris Wall said? The New York Rangers uh, making it easier for fans. You can go to the games, but you have to show proof you've had a shot or you've had a recent test. James, I think whenever we get back to a, a new world, I think carrying around a card or something to prove that you've had your shots is going to be the norm for a lot of sports franchises. It'll be like, hey, can we check your bag? Hey, do you got uh, – yeah, you've had your shots? Excellent. Welcome to the game. Uh, meantime, National Football League, how about the story around Deshaun Watson that three more uh. civil lawsuits alleging inappropriate conduct and sexual assault filed against Deshaun Watson uh, this morning. So now 10 lawsuits over the last week uh, with 10 women uh, coming forward now against Deshaun Watson. And I, I, I'm, who knows where this is ultimately going to land? Um, and whether or not, you know, listening to various NFL insiders on this, I think there's still a suggestion that it doesn't change uh, the fact that other teams are still interested. But it's hard not to think that, look, everybody's innocent until proven guilty in this. And this is more just a civil suit than a court of law. But how would any team right now in, in today's society, in today's 2021 climate, want to take a chance with this overshadowing Deshaun Watson right now? I, I just can't imagine a team wanting to go down that road, right? Even if you're innocent until proven otherwise, um, you know, a team that wants to deal with that sort of blowback right now, like, I, I just wonder where this ultimately goes. Uh, you know, when it first came out and there was one uh, civil case and there were some Sean Watson teammates that stepped up and said, no, like this, this guy is, he's going after money. There's nothing to it. But as you said, more even this morning, you're up to 10, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But man, when the numbers keep on coming up like that, and it's too bad for a young man who you thought, you know, for all you knew, really liked the community. You felt bad for him, how he was treated, wanted to get out of Houston. You go, all right, maybe that's the case. To find out that all this is, is piling up, you're right. Although if ever there's a league that turns a blind eye to situations and goes, will he help us win? It's the NFL. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, – I just don't know how these players act if that's the case. I mean – Innocent to proven guilty, but it doesn't look good for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it, it's hard for anything with his future from a football standpoint getting resolved as this continues to kind of linger over his career right now. Uh, 839, uh, March Madness also set to resume later on today. And, man, like if your bracket hasn't been busted completely yet, I'm sure it's taken a massive hit. Uh, we'll look ahead to coming up uh, – on uh, today's schedule, the first game tipping off in just a few minutes, actually, uh, from now. It is the starting lineup. We'll look ahead with some final thoughts with the Canucks and Jets and much, much more here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. Things got a bit constipated because of runs by Columbus and Vancouver. Kevin Bieksa giving us all the details about hard around the board, soft dumps in, and what the Canucks will face tonight. They've had like a little bit of a losing streak and their seasons kind of look like it's turned and, and made a turn to drop into the toilet. Another reference for you. You come out with stink like that. Poop. Your poop mouth. 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. It's been that kind of show on a Monday morning. Yeah. Oh, that smell is right. Sabolski, Solkowski, uh, just winding down before uh, the Scott Rental show takes over at 9 o'clock. Scotty with a jam-packed show coming up. Uh, later on this morning at 9 o'clock, Emily Kaplan from ESPN, Kelly Rudy from Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, a member of the Vancouver Canucks after they get off uh, the morning skate. Uh, scheduled to join Scotty coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line, busy this morning as always, 650-650. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, sign your text, please. Absolutely crazy that we're talking about why uh, he did not play Thatcher Demko. I mean, if Demko gets hurt now, we're complaining. He shouldn't play our backup. Come on, guys. He did the right thing. Hey, I, I think he did the uh, the expected thing. He played the odds. I don't know if it's the right thing because other people have texted in and said, hey, it, it would be a meaningless game now against Winnipeg. You're not chasing Winnipeg. You're chasing Montreal. Um, uh, to quote a guy who used to join us every Tuesday, and we'll again at some point, it is what it is. It's over with. Uh, they picked up a point. They might have picked up two if it was Thatcher Demko, but you've got a arrested Thatcher Demko. I just hope you can stay in that zone, right? He was so good. You're right it for so long. Has it changed with the trip, the day off? We'll see what we get from Thatcher Demko. Would you sooner trust a team with firepower or a team with goaltending down the stretch? And I think I would probably lean towards goaltending. Like, I think what Dave was kind of saying, like that's that's why I've kind of said this a few times here, Pear. You know, Edmonton is the team I think mathematically I'd sooner keep an eye on with us despite the seven point gap. You look at Montreal and I think you're looking at it from a standing standpoint, but I, I would sooner look, Carey Price is starting to kind of find his form again. Mm-hmm. And he's been much better over the last three weeks or, or, or even for the entire month of March here for that matter, as you kind of start getting to that sense of urgency. Winnipeg's got Hellebuck, right? What do the Oilers have? Like do you fully commit or trust, you know, Koskinen and Mike Smith. Like, that's the team I would sooner look at. And I get that they've been playing well lately, but I, I think that's where your goaltending could let you down at a critical juncture at this, you know, when you start getting into April and May. Yeah, I mean, you've got the two best players in the world, though. As BX was saying, if you just play smart defense, you're okay. Johnny Mack texting saying, the Jets are the Canucks' best route to the postseason. Demko owns the Jets and is in their head, making this series very winnable. So saving a rest of Thatch for the Jets was the right play. I, You know, you kind of said earlier, and I disagree with you, you think the Oilers are the chance because you got five games against them. To me, there's no Tyler Toffoli for the Habs tonight again. They start their three in a row against the Oilers. To me, I, you know, if you're a Canucks fan this week, I think you have to be an Oilers fan. You need the Oilers to get on a run and, and let them chase Toronto. Let the Oilers chase first place and realize your hope will be that the Habs are put out of their misery by the Edmonton Oilers and that you can just handle business in front of you. But if you win both against the you know, the Jets, you're, you're ahead of the Jets. Uh, I don't like the Jets matchup, but they played well against them. I think the Jets are as round a team as you can find in the North Division, but their record showed something else of late, right? So who do you like in the playoffs right now? Like, like from your Toronto's your, 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 sure. your predictions, like from what you thought at the beginning of the season to where it's at now, has it changed? No, I think Toronto is in. I think Edmonton is in. I said Montreal would miss the postseason. I'm going to stick with that. I think Winnipeg is that third team, and I don't know who the fourth team is, but I do think the Canucks are going to be in that battle. 
I don't think that the Montreal Canadiens are going to be winning games at a pace that's going to keep them free and clear of anybody. Calgary, Montreal, and Vancouver will battle it up for the fourth spot. See, I had the Habs initially winning the North. Uh, I don't know if that's happening now, but I had Montreal, Edmonton, Toronto, and Winnipeg as my four teams in the North that were ultimately going to uh, to be there. And I think that's still going to be – I still think that that's going to be the four teams that will find their way into the postseason with what? 20 games to go here now for most of these teams or in and around a little over 20 games uh, with the games in hand. But I think that's where you're looking at right now. I thought the Canucks would be on the outside looking in and it, just kind of where they are right now. But I'll say this, pair, considering where this team has gone in the last month, you know, we were ready to kiss this team and this season goodbye at the beginning of March, Right. And you look at what they've done against teams. They swept the Leafs in a two-game series here against, and they were 0-3 against the Leafs from earlier in the year, right? The Habs kicked their teeth in in the first month of the season. What did they do against Montreal here? They basically split four games with the Habs this month, which is, it's not ideal in a, you know, for a team you're trying to catch, but for a team that had your number so one-sided, you know, to get a split. That's not the worst thing. Even the Jets, how they, like this year, they've been 500 against the Winnipeg Jets. And all things considered against the Jets, like history would tell you that for the last eight years, that has just been a crap matchup for the Vancouver Canucks. And yet, hey, look, they're 2-2-1 two, two, and one on the season. You know, let's see what they can do tonight against a Winnipeg team that has historically had their number. You know what? Well, with Demko in goal against the Winnipeg Jets this year, they have been they have fared very well. They've stayed alive. If they can win one of two against the Jets, they've got their best player. Who you've got to know, Pedersen, when he returns, he couldn't have been thrilled with the season he was having. You when you get something taken away from you for this long because of injury, you know he's coming back on fire. We didn't talk about Pud Colson, who led everybody in ice time on the weekend as his team won their KHL playoff game. At some point, he may come rescuing this team in five weeks' time. That's a possibility. So if you just hang around, right, if you just hang around to oh, wait till who's coming, they may just be there. And, and I don't think anybody who listens to this show or who do it, you know, guys who work on our station going, yeah, they're okay, because they weren't playing good hockey, yet they were winning. They played decent hockey, and they fought hard against Montreal. Let's see if they can do it again in these two more games and get to that rest and say – that was a lot of hockey. The Jets are in the middle of it. Rest up and go, okay, we're in it for this final sprint. They're not too far away from us. We can reel them in. And so meaningful games in March, right? That was something we looked for when it was an 82-game season. At least they've played the meaningful games in March. I've always been saying, enjoy the hockey in March. Don't look at the standings. And I'm kind of true to that. Enjoy two more games in March. And then take a peek at the standings and where they are because they're in the middle of it. Canucks are going to win tonight. Oh, I wouldn't put any money on that, man. I just good on you. Hey, you called them in a lot of crazy games. I go, what do you mean they're winning tonight? Mm -hmm. I think mentally they are exhausted. If they can, it's a sign of a team that's well coached and they've got a desire to push through and uh, full full points to them. I don't I don't see that happening though. Uh, I'm in negative today. I'm sorry. Positive Perry <laughs> didn't show up. I'll be better tomorrow, guys. I haven't been positive because I almost got hit by a train. 
Uh, speaking of tomorrow, Scott Oak will join us from uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still trying to process that story that you shared uh, <laughs> Brian, early this morning. March Madness also set to resume uh, coming up in about uh, less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, two seed Iowa up against Oregon. Uh, you know, for a lot of people around these parts, uh, Gonzaga, they go at it at 11.40 this morning against Oklahoma. I actually have Oklahoma knocking off the Bulldogs and uh, – um, oh really? In in my bracket, yeah. I mean, my bracket's already kind of like it's just teetering. I've got Michigan going all the way, but man, it's like there are some portions of my bracket that is just a sea of red X's, and uh, it, it's just been so volatile. So the Zags up will, at eleven forty. I will end with the bad pun. The fact that you've got the Zags not winning today is sacrilegious. Ah, well played. We should see how Robert Sacre's uh, brackets. Uh, going so far at some point later this week uh we got to get out of here scotty's time to take some uh take some mic time if you will uh with all the latest from rogers arena scotty will be uh having everything from rogers arena here from travis green and uh, a couple of members of the canucks as well and it's all coming up at the top of the clock right here on your home of the canucks it's game day on sportsnet 650